Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast RPG Sites podcast. Um, it's been a little bit once again. Uh, this is starting to become a pattern where we don't do a podcast for a while, uh, but we all have things going on. We have lives to live. So we are back once again with another edition of our podcast. Uh, but in this case, we have fewer members. In fact, there's only one other person joining me today. Uh, so before we get into that, though, I just want to mention I am Zach Reese. I'm your host. Joining me is Adam Vitali. Hey, it's been a while since I've been on. Yes. So this is kind of a weird thing where it's like you haven't been here for at least a couple podcasts. And now Josh is not able to join us and we don't have any a, a third person. And now it's just everyone's out. Me. Everyone's out at Halloween parties except us. We're, the, we're just, you know. What? Excuse me. I have plans for <laughs> next week. It's weird. Yeah. Everyone plans stuff for like there was all these things going on Friday. My workplace is doing things on Monday. So it's just this weird thing where all these businesses I came uh I was driving home and all I could see is just a bunch of like companies with their employees all uh in costumes. I don't know. It's and I was outside yesterday and that was just like everyone was all dressed up and I don't know. Like I expect to see way more of that tomorrow though cuz that's uh, as of this recording, it's October 29th, 2016. Tomorrow's uh, obviously Hallow's, Halloween Eve, Hallow's Eve. And so, I don't know. Do you do anything for Halloween at all? Uh, not really. I mean, sometimes I'll go out, but not this year. Not this year. Do you have any, like... It's just, it's um, just usually just an excuse to, to hang out, maybe have some beers, you know. <laughs> October October beers, yes. That's actually uh I usually don't I usually don't dress up. I, I, I have fun like watching other people dress up, but I usually don't. No, I don't really typically do much either. I mean I do take advantage of the fact that like the days following Halloween, uh candy at Target and stuff like that are like half off. <laughs> so I usually pick up some of that stuff there. Um I think last year I did go to a bar for a Halloween party and it was kinda dull <laughs> just because it was a bunch of people um pretty much all standing around talking i we did go dancing for a bit but that was it that was a different time though like i don't know so and the joke the, the the thing this year is that it, the joke is like everybody's going to be dressed up as overwatch characters yes or donald trump or like other political or, or, or yeah the political yeah that's what i'm fully expecting if you guys can't or, tell or harley quinn Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah, Suicide Squad characters. Although it's kind of weird that that movie didn't do so well, but I saw so many people dressed up to go see that movie. Like, um, I was driving home, and right outside the theater during the premiere, I just saw, like, lines of people all dressed up. I think that, like, the first E3, like, one of the early E3s I went to, I think Superman Returns maybe was coming out in theaters or something. Cause, or maybe it was a Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I think it was actually the Spider-Man movie because all I saw was just a bunch of people in costume <laughs> lined up to see it at the premiere. Uh, that's fandom for you. I don't know. Yeah, I think I haven't been to many like movies on their opening night, but I have gone to a couple of the Star Trek ones, and then people, of course, wear the, the officer uniforms and things like that. Gosh, actually, I don't, I don't remember the last time I went to the theaters. Like... I think that the only time I really take the time to go see a movie is like if a Studio Ghibli movie is going to premiere because that seems like the perfect place to see it is in the theaters just because it's it's such an amazing moment. I think the last movie I saw was like Secret World of Arietti and that's obviously a long time ago. (laughs) But I think that those movies can be a lot of fun to watch, especially around other people because it can get pretty... 
emotional at times seeing that type of movie, especially Secret World of Arietti. That movie really, uh, towards the end of it, gets pretty powerful to watch. Is, is this a bad time for me to admit I've never seen a Studio Ghibli movie? You, you haven't? <laughs> nope, not one. Um, let me think. There's actually a lot of really good ones that I don't know. I think I saw some of Kiki's Delivery Service. Is that Ghibli? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's I a, saw some of that. That's a I'm really sure. good one. That's like there was actually a really good article. Uh, were you gonna say something? I think I saw some of that like in English. It aired on like TV some at some point. And I saw some of it. So I think that's the only one. Yeah, like um, like there was actually a really good article that reminded me about that. That uh, someone put up an article saying like um. The female characters uh, in Studio Ghibli, the, uh, oh, it was like the feminism of Studio Ghibli or something like that. I, I forget how it went, but it was really talking about how um, Hayao Miyazaki really put a lot of attention on his on his female characters. Like, uh, it really empowered him. Like, if you saw, um, actually, I, I could just, uh, let me see here. Give me a second. I want to stand up and... Um, I'm looking over my collection over here because I want to see what we have. Well, it's like Kiki's Delivery Service is actually a really good movie. Um, but then you also got like, um, here we go. This is what I was looking for. I'm looking for like the movies that they made. Obviously, we're going off on a tangent here, but I did want to mention that there's some really good. I mean, you got Princess Mononoke is an incredible movie. I think that's actually one you would probably get. Uh, a lot of some of these movies I've like heard plenty of like I've heard of that one and I like kind of know the general idea of it uh, Grave of the Fireflies I know is apparently like the most sad movie you'll oh, ever watch so uh, I watched that as a kid <laughs> that was that was a terrible movie to watch as a kid because absolutely what that's depressing, um, yeah it's it's incredibly depressing and that's actually sets um it's set in World War Two and it's just about uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard about the con- um the the story of that movie but it's basically about this um these two kids like um who get separated from their parents because it's during the time when all these bombings are going off in japan and so they get separated from their parents they find out later that you know something happened to them and now they're permanently uh separated from their parents uh, i think you can make the connection there but it's, mm-hmm. it's all about what happens to them and them trying to live on their own and find ways to survive and it really it's just it's kind of the horrors of war it's really depressing but at the same time it's it's like that movie that you can you you should only watch once but you should really watch at least once just so you understand um how powerful a movie uh a film can be when you can see something like that but um i would see i would seriously suggest watching at least um you know ponyo is a really good movie but like yeah it's princess mononoke spirited away that it got the Academy Award for Best Animated Movie. I think that's a one movie you should definitely see just because it's such a crazy thing how a movie for that long ago, that movie's like 15 years old and it still looks yeah. amazing to this day. Um, I would I would highly recommend checking that out. But, I mean, kind of like, I mean, kind of, it's kind of like how the old, like 15 year old animated Disney movies, like when they're released on Blu-ray, they still look great. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> and I know, and I know some of those Ghibli movies have gotten some releases or re-releases and I'm sure they look fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's kind of weird when like not long ago, Toy Story, the original Toy Story celebrated its 20th anniversary and yeah. I felt incredibly old <laughs> when yeah. I, I saw that happened. Um, because uh, it just reminds me a lot like when i post those rpg site on rpg sites twitter account i post rpg birthdays or birthdays of other i i, I remember one that was like recent that was like 
it kind of like makes you realize how how time passes is like Pokemon Black and White are ten years old. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> like I think that was the last one I played. Like I I don't think I played any Pokemon since then, and I kind of felt like that wasn't that long ago, right? Like Black and White. Like, oh, that was. 10 years ago <laughs> yeah exactly i mean it's it's a japanese release date but that's like eight yeah. years instead of 10 years or something like that, or, or nine no um, pokemon doesn't usually take that long to well especially these days to for the localized versions but absolutely not i mean they got so many remakes and saw these other editions oh i was the movie i was thinking of was nazca the valley of the wind that's the movie I, was, I kept thinking of but i couldn't figure it out but that's another great movie that's a really early one it's actually got uma thurman is the uh, is the voice of the main character, and that's the cool thing about Studio Ghibli's movies is that they get all these like famous Hollywood cel- uh, actors I, for the uh, dub. Yeah, and I hear they do a good job. It's not just Absolutely. like it's not just for the uh, you know the the star power or whatever. Like uh, I forget what it's called, but there's a relatively recent one about airplanes, um, and it had like. Oh, man. I'm, I'm out of my element now. Oh, you're talking about like The Wind Rises or something? Yeah. Yeah, there's that. That was. And I heard, I heard the English for that one was pretty good. And it has a. Um, I think it has that uh, that Star Wars actress in it. The Star Wars actress? Are you talking about like, from the recent ones or something mm-hmm. like that? Um, well, let me think. Because there was. There was. Uh, is it Emily Blunt? I don't know. There's, uh, no, that's not that's not the main character. But okay, maybe, maybe it wasn't the Star Wars. Yeah, it was, it was Emily Blunt. I'm thinking of something else. And Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, exactly. Martin Short. And I and I heard it's really good in English, and I'm sure it's great in Japanese too. That's actually uh, if, if I'm uh, go ahead. And I mean, and that's just that's a recent one, like a couple of years ago. Yeah, Hayao Miyazaki pretty much retired. Uh, actually, he's retired like 15 times. He's retired uh, many times. Um, that's actually the last movie that he made. Uh, because yeah. they released some other ones. I think like when Marnie was there was the most recent one, and I bought that on Blu-ray not long ago. Um, but like it was that, and then before that was Ponyo, and they put all these movies in between. Like Hayao Miyazaki's son put out this movie called Tales from Earthsea that I think has got a it got a pretty bad rap, but I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> it's it's not as good, of course, as the other Ghibli movies that they put out. But the really interesting thing is that they're actually putting out kind of a uh, CG animated. Ghibli animated series like an anime uh that's supposed to be out I think in spring and that's that's kind of insane it's unfortunately that's the thing is that it's made it's CG it's not anime and so or at least the street kind so um it's like watching the recent Berserk anime uh or or Arpeggio of Blue Sea or, or Steel uh, those kind of movies, uh, excuse me, those type of anime where it's all in CG that you're just like, but I know the Berserk one is uh for the for the disc release is replacing the cg with our... did you see that it's yeah, so like, crazy we were talking so I, about it i don't i don't know much about berserk but i've seen the i've seen the gifts that you know go on twitter and it's like holy crap this is a published product <laughs> some oh. of those stuff the like, geez it's absolutely insane um so i don't watch we that much about i don't watch well, let me, one second i don't watch that much anime but like i recently watched parasite and most of that is not CG, but like they'll throw CG like in for like background crowds, and it's just like sticks out like a sore thumb, like yeah, like, scary people. Yeah, that's the kind <laughs> of thing where it's like a lot of anime nowadays at least has some CG in it. I mean, that's like when you see, you wouldn't see this, but when you see like Love Life, uh, that the performances are done in CG, and then it's kind of weird rotoscope, that, yeah, yeah, or rotoscope, and um. The weird thing about that show is that in the, at least the first season, I've not seen the new Love Life Sunshine, but like in the original, they had this rival group that danced against the Love Life crew, uh, the the muse, 
uh, uh, that they did all 2D animation with them, but with the actual main cast, they did CG with them. It's such a weird contrast uh, that it, it's such a common thing nowadays. And that's that's what I think. I don't know if it's like the influence of video games and stuff like that, because there was that one time in eternity that came out long ago where it blended uh, anime in with the actual like 3D models. And so I think it's just a way of trying to cut costs, of course. But yeah, yeah the, the, you I talk about the Berserk. Part of it. When they announced the Berserk, we were talking about it before on the podcast, on an earlier podcast, when they announced Berserk and the Band of the Hawk, which is the upcoming um, Musu game from uh, Omega Force, the Dynasty Warriors people. That's supposed to be out next year. Um, that pe- we were complaining about the recent Berserk anime. And what Adam, for the audience that are listening, who, uh, it's that the entire Berserk anime is made out of really poor CG, like very bad cg like they it's weird because you think like berserk has got all this reverence that you think they would pump all this money into it but clearly not but on the blu-ray that's supposed to come out in japan if you look on tumblr there's a bunch of people or at least there was there's actually kind of like one tumblr blog that's a blog that's the source of this but they put out all the all this media that they took all of the cg and put it back into hand-drawn animation or at least 2d uh, drawn animation and it looks way better <laughs> like mm-hmm. like immensely better and it's got me excited to actually see it in that form so i i'm, I'm very curious to see how that will go but i just <laughs> i know we all kind of went off on the deep end talking about anime but that's kind of how these podcasts go for people who don't listen to us before if this is the first time they've uh, heard us um we're kind of fans of that stuff, so I hope you. Some of us more than others. I, I only dabble in it. Yeah, you watch. You you stick to Tsunami. Mostly, right? I, I just watch what airs in a in a couple other things. So yeah, when was the last time you actually watched Tsunami? By the way, because I know for a while they're pretty much on top of that. Uh, I still can. I still watch it. They're doing JoJo now. Like oh, finally. Like, are you watching JoJo? <laughs> Oh, I've already. That's actually one I actually have seen before. Really? Uh, I, yeah. That's the weird. Like for me, who's a huge fan, I've actually never seen JoJo. That's mm. that's one of my biggest shames. And people say I need to see JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and all that. Like the only thing I know about that series is the crazy endings. Uh, they or openings or endings where they're using popular like '90s and '80s pop songs from like Yes and uh, yeah. Savage Garden and all these weird bands that I grew up with. That is enough to get me to want to watch it. And of course the to be continued meme. Did yeah. you see on Twitter? Uh, someone posted. I saw, I saw that for the Nintendo yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Where it's not even just that. Is that um. It premiered on Toonami Jojo, as you just said. Uh, they showed that to be continued, and and there was legitimately people who thought that they were stealing the meme and using it on their show. Like it didn't originate from yeah. Jojo. It's that they're using that and they're blaming Toonami. Like it's their fault. Like of course Toonami would do something like this. Like no, you guys, you don't understand. This is actually was in the show. <laughs> it's so sad when when you read stuff yeah. like that. But I just thought that head was hilarious. But. Let's let's get into news though because it, I mean let's let's get into the podcast proper because we got a lot to talk about. It's been a few weeks since we did this podcast, but first, as we always like to do, uh, we talk about the games that we were playing since our previous podcast, which in hand uh, t- uh, is the kind of thing that it's been so long that we need to talk about it. So, uh, Adam, you please go first because you have a lot to talk about here. Well, I, I probably won't talk about everything I played, but like October was there wasn't much coming out in October that like new releases i was interested in i know there was world of final fantasy um and a few other things and i might play that eventually but wasn't really looking for it right now Mm. but i i decided to kind of tackle my backlog for some of the games that released last spring and i started with fire emblem fates so if if i were to pick a series that i would say 
uh, what's what series am i the biggest fan of out of all the rpg series it probably would be fire emblem um but awakening when it released i know it was really popular and probably the most popular in games in the series but i was really disappointed by it for a couple of reasons uh i felt that the pairing system which is new uh which basically Basically, earlier games, you could support characters, and basically they'd provide stat bonuses to each other, where Awakening kind of went an extra level further, where units would actually, like, fight together. But I felt like it was just unbalanced, and, like, it kind of just took all the challenge out of everything, and there was... It was just really... It was kind of almost too simple, just... Just pair up people, and then you can bulldoze over everything. Yeah, like the... I forget... Who's the name of the female mage that everyone loves? Uh, Tharja? Yeah, yeah, Tharja. Well, Tharja, uh, and then there's also Donal. Uh, like destruction. Don- yeah, yeah. Just and Donal is, the, like, the farmer guy. He's supposed to be, like, the wimp that you once you baby him a little bit, he becomes a powerhouse. But it wasn't that's just right. that. Like, a lot of the maps were just, like, open field maps, and that's that's fine by itself, but, or, or that's fine in, like, if there was more variety there, but, like, every map kind of felt the same. So it was just kind of repetitive, and, and it just wasn't, it felt like it was too open, and then also like the whole the whole map structure. You had like these spot pass guys wandering the map and things like that. It just kind of felt unorganized and cluttered. Yeah. But Fates, uh, just to get to get the spoiler out of the way, I'm back on board with the series. It it fixed a lot of things that I took issue with, and um, one of the things, especially with the Conquest version, is that there are so many. There's such a variety in map design now. Um, indoor levels levels that are there are some wide open levels levels with a lot of you know paths and you know you have to be careful if where horses can travel or where your flying units can go there's some units that are kind of like on floating platform or some levels on floating platforms and things like that um some that have a, a level gimmick where there might be moving platforms or uh things like that and it just it's just so much better it's it's hard to it's hard to describe in a short sentence here but it's so much more variety and what you have to do to to beat a level that's good and also and also the pairing system they made it so that there are benefits to keeping your units separate and then benefits to putting them together depending on the situation when they're separate you're based in, in a nutshell when they're separate your offensive power is higher but you're you know you're more vulnerable yeah. when they're to get when they're together you basically are cutting your offensive firepower but you're much more it's more of a defensive stance and basically that like totally fixed all my qualms with the pairing system it now it's actually like you have to think about whatever situation your units are in and accordingly set them up so that you can have them paired or unpaired sometimes you can pair them with your with the character's wife or husband or sometimes you can just pair them with someone else that they're supporting with and it just it it feels like it's on one hand just a lot more flexible and it just it basically i feel like that intelligent systems heard some of the criticism from awakening and they tackled that right away so i'm really impressed by it yeah i guess it's that maybe fire Emblem awakening was meant to be more like for the beginners that they're trying to find ways maybe solutions to make the experience well, easier for newcomers of, well that was kind of their first attempt at it so you know yeah. it's, sometimes it's rough around the edges Absolutely. um but even so they have birthright and conquest which is supposed to be like four beginners and four experienced players respectively but i think even Birthright, which is for beginners, um, I mean, still the pairing system changes are there, and still the map design is better. I think Conquest is kind of the 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 best out of this new game, but I think even Birthright, I still think is significantly better than Awakening. And just one more thing, this is just a small thing, but 
even just the menus for the system, for this game, how it organizes DLC and spot pass content and things like that, and where the extra levels are, the paralogs, the xenologs, the main levels, it's just a lot more organized too. And That's that good. just that just it just it feels like it's less cluttered and more more focused. And that I I really appreciate that. It's one of those things where it's like if if are you the type of player that if everything's neat and organized, you you have a better experience with the game too. Well, like for example, in Awakening, it'd be like, okay, uh, I I got an S support between these two characters. Now an extra level popped up somewhere, and now I gotta kind of like navigate on the world map to find where it showed up. Like, where is this extra level? Oh, here it is. And then like, there's these spot pass guys on the world map, kind of just floating around, and they're just like random battles roading around, and it just kind of feels it, it. It's like not it's not functionally any different. It just kind of feels so cluttered and messy. Or this, it just feels a lot more organized. So it's it, like I said, it's just a small thing, but it's it's significant enough for me to mention it, I guess. Yeah. How do you how do you compare the two stories? Because I only got to play oh, Awakening, and I feel like I really like to play Fates. But how do you feel? So the story gets a lot of flack from what I could from what I gathered. The story doesn't seem to be very well liked, and it wasn't as bad as I feared. But it is kind of a bunch of nothing. Like <laughs> I, I I felt like I feel like especially in Conquest and Birthright like not much really happens it's it's kind of it's almost like i could almost give the story in like three sentences with kind of not even spoiling it in birthright you join up with your birth family and you basically turn against the family that raised you and then you kind of spend the whole game kind of just marching towards their castle you eventually get there you fight your family and then you win and that's kind of it like there's it's there's really just not much to it so it wasn't as bad as I feared, but it's just like there's there's not much interesting with the story. I think so, that's what Alex said on the site too. That's what he felt was a kind of a shortcoming about it. Is yeah, and also and and also this game loves to um, probably the biggest criticism of the story is that and, and this is true for all three versions: Birthright, Conquest, and Revelation, which is like the DLC one. Yeah, is that they're they love to they love to. Uh, to utilize uh, like a character sacrifice as like a dramatic moment, but they, they do it too often that it, they just kind of blend together and like they, it loses their impact. And it's just kind of like every hour, some other character sacrifices themselves and it's like, okay, <laughs> it just, it, you know, so it loses its impact. Yeah. It's not as, uh, especially when it's like a engaging. character that like, wasn't really that like crucial, like, wait, that person's back. Oh, and then they sacrifice them. Okay. Oh, whatever. Okay. It's one of those things where you don't really get to know the person that well. It's kind of weird. Like in a game like that, that not every single character is fully developed. Cause you were talking about like, especially over three different games, like, like a hundred hours of content to do. Yeah. With. I put, I put, I, I did all of the three paths and I did the DLC, which kind of has like a, so the third path is, I, I got the special edition, so it's, it's oh, not... Oh, one of the lucky ones, yes. <laughs> I'm not really big on special editions, but when they put it all in one cart, that's like, okay, that's that's useful to me. Yeah. But there's also, like, there's also, like, there's also like a kind of a extra DLC, like, set of six levels that kind of match together that focus on the children. So I did that, too. So, yeah, all, all in all, it's about 100 hours, and that was getting all the characters and that takes a while so. so actually that's what i want to know is that as someone who's a big fan of the fire Emblem series how do you feel about the fact that they're kind of moving towards this thing like pokemon where they're splitting the games up into two so i don't really mind the idea of like okay we're going to focus on slightly different things for each version i kind of hope they don't do it again simply for time's sake yeah um because you know i don't want to put 100 hours into each fire Emblem game it was kind of like 
it was it wasn't I really liked it like I really enjoyed the game but it was kind of quite a time commitment so and also I feel like it like it would lose some of its this unique flavor that Fates has if they just did it every time like oh we're always going to have like two two opposing viewpoints in each Fire Emblem game going forward and you know just I'm afraid they'll make it too formulaic yeah, it doesn't really lend itself to that, I think, because it's not like Pokemon where you might find like, exclusive Pokemon in, in one or the other. And, or like Pokemon Sun and Moon where it's like different times of the day. Um, obviously, yeah. it brings out the new different Pokemon. With Fire Emblem, it just looks like it's an excuse to get money. <laughs> that's that's yeah. kind of what I felt like. It's like something well, that could easily been told in one game, but they decided well, to split Well, this, this actually kind of works. Let me, let me say it two ways. First of all, I also played through Fire Emblem Mystery of the Emblem Heroes of Light and Shadow. Long title. And that is a hell of a the, title. That's that's Fire Emblem Twelve, so that's actually the one that came out before Awakening on DS. Oh. And I, I won't get into too many details, but that one's more of a compact, short, like twenty-five hour single experience. And I really like that game too. It's it's it kind of it it's more in the vein of Path of Radiance and the the original Fire Emblem, not the original, but Fire Emblem titular on GBA. Um, and I really like that game too. So like you know what, it'd be nice if they had like these more compact experiences like they did before but that's that's i don't know if the new fire emblem audience is that's going to be what they're going to be aiming for but but uh this actually kind of goes to the next game i want to talk about is i've also been playing a little bit of bravely second (laughs) really oh yeah you're really getting oh everyone forgets that that game came out it seems like it just came at when (laughs) and that came out like in april or something right yeah I after, didn't hear after much, Fire Emblem, yeah. I haven't I hadn't heard much about it, so I was kind of wondering how well it was received. Apparently it reviewed fairly well. Not it, great. I thought it but, reviewed better than the first one. That's yeah, why it, I was so it shocked. It did. It did. Yeah. I, I, um and I a couple of friends I know like who had played it, they actually told me that it's I, I know a couple of people that say like it's actually one of their favorite games in the year. I'm like, "Really?" Yeah. Uh, it's kind of the um, I got to. Yeah. So, first of all, let me talk about one thing about Bravely Second I don't like, and that's how they do side quests. So this is kind of a weird thing to talk about, but it kind of matches with what we were talking about with Fire Emblem here. Yeah. Is that side quests in Bravely Default, how they basically all are is that they take two asterisks or Bravely Second. First of all, have you played Bravely Default? No. Uh, it's weird. Okay. I've got the Bravely Second Collector's Edition, but I do not. I've never played the series yet, but I do uh, want okay. to. Yeah. Well, so the, the, the characters that you get your jobs from are called asterisk holders, and they call them asterisks. It's like that's what you when you get the Black Mage asterisk, you can now use that job. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then so they take the asterisk holders from the first game, and they come back in these side quests. And then basically in each side quest, they have two asterisk holders from the first game in each side quest, and they kind of have some argument or conflict between them, and you have to pick between one or the other and to, like, support their stance. And then that you get, basically, you, you have to choose which asterisks you want to keep. Oh, um, you, you, and you, it's like a permanent decision? Like, you can't go back well, on that? Well, you, you eventually can get both with, like, a oh. New Game Plus type feature. Oh, okay, um, yeah. But it kind of... I, the side quests are probably the one thing about the game that I'm probably least, uh, you know, optimistic on, because... It kind of feels like it's kind of formulaic. Like I'm on my seventh side quest, and now oh, here's another conflict between the two characters, and it just kind of feels <laughs> like, you know, like how many times can you make a compelling, you know, decision between these, you know, and it just kind of feels like they're just having these conflicts exist just to have them, and um. they're not very compelling. And I'm actually at the point where I'm just kind of like, I don't care about the conflict. Like I just want the, I just want the black mage. So I'm, I'm going against you. Sorry, and so that's. Uh, 
so I, I'm, I'm kind of I kind of hope like Fire Emblem they don't always do like this dual version thing where they have like pick a side because you know if you keep doing that it's uh, it, it takes all it, it takes quite a bit of effort and nuance to try to get some sort of you know choice by choice thing here if you're going to pick have something be an actual compelling difficult decision to make rather than just having it be just a formulaic dual purpose thing sure so, that's it anyways more on bravely Defo- or bravely second is that uh it refines a couple of things in the first game uh in terms of its job system and it you know they're just small things it mostly plays very very similarly but these types of these types of turn-based battle systems I actually quite appreciate because uh, oftentimes if you're in the wrong job classes and you're trying to take on a boss you're not going to win and grinding isn't going to help you. <laughs> sure. So so it's it's a type of these are the type of games I like them that cuz you it's hard to brute force through these types of games. You can't just level up and beat them. It actually requires some thought. Oh, okay, so I need to change up which weapon I'm using, which class I'm in, what magic I have access to and then take on the boss. Um and so I like that level of player agency where it's like I have control over how I'm approaching the battle here. And depending on the decisions you make, you can either overcome it or not rather than just, Oh, I'm not the high, I'm not a high enough level, you know, level is not that important. So, yeah, I kind of hate that when you're like, if I want to like say level up my character, I want to be able to do it on my own accord and not like the game is forcing me to do that. Yeah, and it's like, for example, uh, I'm actually I'm not finished with this game, but I'm in a dungeon where I had a character who was wielding an axe, um, and the, there was a bunch of enemies that did not take much damage from axes. So like, okay, let me switch your class to Swordmaster, and hey, this works a lot better. So, you know, I like that level of flexibility. Um, that sounds really cool. Yeah, that's it's that sounds really fun. That game sounds now, really fun. And now I'm not far enough yet, but I'm pretty sure that this game avoids the major issue that Bravely Default had, which Bravely Default like almost infamous problem now is this this repeat structure where you kind of have to do a large portion of the game four times if you want the best ending and like that was kind of the you know they did it kind of for the sake of the story in that game but it kind of was a detriment to everything else so oh. i don't i don't i think they kind of have they, they kind of have like a similar like narrative idea for bradley second based on what I've played so far, but they don't go through such lengths to have it implemented so deeply into the gameplay that it's actually distracting and and detrimental to everything. So it kind of, it basically tries to take all the good things that Bravely uh, Default did and just refine on them and kind of cut out the things that it didn't do so well. So um, I I will say that the characters are actually probably a little bit better too. Um, Wow, really? I I thought that people were so in love with the Bravely Default characters. So that's... that's, Well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. So Eddie Lee was probably one of the most popular of the tr- of the of the four people. Yeah, and she's back, so she's she's a main oh, character by default. Then yes, oh, oh and, uh, she's the main character. I forgot about that. Yeah, well, she's not the main character, but one she's basically main a main character. Yeah, she yeah. does all all the side quest stuff revolves around her, so it, she's kind of a main character. But like, so she's back. But also, like for example, the lead character in the first game, Tiz, he's just kind of a he's kind of like a straight like straight laced kind of boring lead. Like he he didn't have a whole lot of interesting character to him. I mean, he wasn't bad, but he was just kind of so straightforward in how he like his thought process that he was just not super interesting. But in this game, he's back, but he's a side character, and he actually they actually work him so he's kind of like plays like the straight man. So like Eddie Lee and the main character who's now is uh, ah, who's na- I got his name I can't forget. All right, I can't remember his name. One second. 
Sure. You, that's the main character now. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you and Magnolia, those are the three. So you and Magnolia are the new characters in Edia. Like, they all have kind of like their quirks and their character quirks and things like that, where Tiz is more of the straight man, but they kind of play off of that. And I think it just works a lot better. Like, in, in a nutshell, Tiz works better as a side character than he did as a lead. Um, and it, I just think it works better. And um, so I think in general, I, I think I like the characters in this game just a little bit more than I did in the original Bravely Default. Also, the, I, I'm playing it in English. It's got dual audio, and I think the English voice acting is actually really good. Um, oh, cool. I like, like I, I'm, I, I'm certainly no dub hater, and I tend to prefer dubs no. when, they're, when, they're, when they're there. But I think in this game, it's like I'm impressed. Um, Idia is voiced by Cassandra Morris, who I, uh, is, she's going to be in uh, Persona Five as the cat. <laughs> yes, that's actually when he said that. I recently recognized, the, remember the the name of the character. Yes, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, I'm enjoying it more than I thought. There's a couple of issues with the like the side quests, and also this is a problem in Dave, Bravely Default too. The dungeons, they're not very interactive. They're mostly just paths. Um, so it's really a game that kind of relies on its battle system and progression system and job system. That's what it focuses on. So, um, and the story, I'm not really sure where it's going yet. But I think those that those things, the job and progression systems, are really d- well done. Um, and the characters are good, so I'm enjoying it. That's good. Now that's the that's the thing that's like I keep waiting and waiting to see about Brave the Default if it would ever go on sale. Just I can't afford it, and that's the thing I think that we'll talk a little bit later about what we expect from Nintendo in the future. But um, I'm glad to hear that the sequel is really good. And I now that I I own a copy and I think about whether to open it or not, I'm glad to hear that it's actually pretty good. Sounds like it's going to be up in the discussion of our Game of the Year stuff, right? It kind of got overshadowed this year, yeah. and I th- I think it's just because it wasn't it, it wasn't it didn't feel as fresh coming because Bravely Default kind of felt fresh at the time, being like a classic style where this is kind of it is largely more of the same, but it is more of the same but better. So I thought that's all that people wanted. That's why I'm so surprised yeah. they didn't get really much attention. I don't know. <laughs> that's cool. Well, so and you've also were playing some Gurman, of course. I mean, you already played this before, right? Oh yeah, so. A couple other games I've played, like Gurman is a Falcom. It's called, let me back up here. It's called Gurman 3D: A Monstrous Adventure. Yes. Now this is um, a Falcom game. It's kind of like a one-off from Falcom, that is kind of a platformer RPG hybrid, and it it looks kind of like something you might find on the N64 or the or the original PlayStation. Um, it's got like these colorful, simple textured, blocky characters. Not not like blocky because they like poor graphics, but it's just it's just that style where these are very stylized in that N64 kind of way, and it features a young girl named Perrin, basically in a in a monster world called that's why it's called a monstrous adventure, and then cutting cutting through cut to the chase, basically you kind of explore these various levels with Perrin, and she uses a drill to combat things, and you collect money, you collect parts and things like that you can upgrade her drill you can get different headwear for parent to wear and it kind of feels like a platformer that you would expect on like i said the n64 only this game has a pretty solid combat system it's nothing super deep or super complex um, but it's just solid enough simple enough that it feels appropriate to everything else in the game but it's it's still satisfying without being like overdone or over you know overwrought 
That's good to hear because I think that what the uh, if I'm not mistaken, Gurman is the last PC game that Falcom has done because they've been just doing you know console and handheld no, games. I f- I think like Yeast Origin came out after Gurman. Uh, it's I around that, that era. I so I... I did a little bit of research. Yeast, oh, okay. uh, Gurman originally released in 2004 on PC in Japan, so it's been a while. Um, oh, but okay. I, th- I think East Origin came out in like 2006. But that's that 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 mid 2000s era is when basically Falcom stopped putting games on PC and started going to like PSP and then eventually PS3 and consoles and things like that. So, oh yeah, I'm sorry, I was mistaking it that. Oh no, it was <laughs> I mistook it for like Zwei Two. That was out like in 2008. That's what I remember. I was thinking of uh, because yeah, uh, Falcom of course their games still get put on PC, but they just hire out. They outsource their releases on that stuff like uh, Joyland and stuff like and companies like that. Because uh, like I think it's a year ago they put uh, Memories of Celsetta out on PC uh, in China. And I would I would I would love to get that on PC. I mean, yeah, especially considering all the other Yeast games. I mean the you know there's there's plenty of other on pc and i don't know just it'd be nice to have because the memories of celsetta is kind of it looks like a psp game on vita it's not a very visually striking game really i I mean it's got it's got good colors but for the time when it came out i thought it was pretty good but that's maybe that was just my uh well well, i've seen some i've seen some screens of the of the chinese pc version like yeah this would be nice to have and it not like it would require a monster machine either so oh absolutely i I mean i can't deny that that would be an incredible game to have on on steam over here as well and it's weird because they they released it that way and i think that they even used like exceeds man well Maybe I'm thinking of a different company that they were using some of the companies like Exceeds Translation uh, or their work and put it on on, on PC. Maybe I'm thinking of the same thing because I think that th- what they were saying was like they were going to release it on PC but then also release it in the West as well for the same uh, – it might have been for Salsetta as well. I don't but know. Gurman, uh, I just want to mention, has an amazing soundtrack. <laughs> oh, yes. It's, it's maybe not as like – epic as some of their yeast wow. stuff but it's it's really fun and catchy and colorful and it's it actually sounds like a lot of the trails in the sky stuff yeah um, at times you know kind of lighthearted but energetic and it, it works really really well so it's incredible i actually i really enjoy that soundtrack i've not played the game i do own it i do plan on playing it pretty soon here but um that's the thing that really stood out to me most Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 pretty different from a normal RPG. It's really lighthearted, so you're not going to find like a really deep, compelling story or like really complex mechanics. But it's just like a lighthearted, fun little romp, and it it's it's a really sweet game. So that's that's all it needs about it. And and is that pretty much like what you've been playing so far? Is there anything yeah. else you've been playing? I I played Dragon Quest Seven. Um, I kind of feel like I've been talking too long here. But Dragon Quest Seven. Talk is, about what you want, man. It's only just the two of us. Yeah, Dragon Quest Seven is really, really long. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think by default, like when it came out on the PlayStation One, the main story was a hundred hours long, and then the 3DS version, it didn't I just beat, like add I, I on stuff at the 80. end, it, like interwove it. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's, I beat it. I beat it in eighty, and um, that's without like a guide or anything. But um, I think they made it. They they truncated it in a little couple of places, but it's still a long game. Now I guess. And I didn't do any, like, there's post-game, like, after-boss stuff, too. But yeah. I, I decided not to do that because I want to tackle some of my backlog here. <laughs> but one thing about Dragon Quest Seven that I really liked is that, um, and this is, I, I mentioned this in my review, and there's not very many games that do this, and it has to do with its story. It's one of the few RPGs where when you're playing through the game, 
the story is not really about your cast of characters. It's not. It's more about the world they're in, the NPCs they meet from all the various villages and towns and islands. Like the story is is almost about other people and not your characters. And it's more about like how the world is changing and they have like these each each of these islands that you go to has like its own little like it's kind of like a vignette style story that happens and then your characters kind of intervene but it's more about what happens to these characters you know before and after and i thought that was kind of a really nice way to look about it and there's quite a variety like there's there's it's not just it's not just young people and young people problems you have old people you have people like married couples you have children adults parents and it's it's just like a wide variety of npc types yeah wow it's it's it felt like it just felt like really comforting in a sense uh there was actually a there was actually like a love triangle so let me let me back up a bit the 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 basic structure of the game is that you go to these various islands throughout the game you go to probably like more than 20 of them there's a lot and (laughs) Each of them has like a, a story, and then there's usually a dungeon you go to and some boss you fight. You know, it's it, there's there's a bit of variety there, but that's the general process of it. So these stories are like separated from each other. There was one that had to do with like a love triangle type thing. When I first ran into it, I was just kind of I kind of rolled my eyes like uh, whatever, this is going to be a bunch of whatever. Um, but it actually ended up being like a really kind of sad, depressing story, and oh. and it was like pretty compelling in that regard. And one thing about it that I really liked is that it didn't it wasn't just like exposition to your face. It wasn't just cutscenes to your face, like here's what happens. Like you actually had to like talk to NPCs to kind of figure out to fill in the blanks like what's the story between these characters and what happened. Nice. And nice. And like you actually don't really learn what happens unless you go out of your way to look for it. And when you kind of realize at the end, like this is what happened to these characters, it kind of just falls on you like, holy crap. And it, it, I don't want to spoil it, but it's just like it was it was probably more interesting and more, better done than any cutscene could have could have offered. And I, just stuff like that, I felt like Dragon Quest Seven did really well. So that's the kind of game like I can relate that with like Trails of Cold Steel and that, of course, you can mainline the game and just experience like the bigger cutscenes. But the best part of those games was talking to the people and getting to know them and understanding their backgrounds and having like a through a through uh, for their beginning middle and end of their story and that's like i think really one of the best parts about rpgs is just being able to experience the growth of npcs like not many games do that and not many rpgs frankly do that either they're just usually talking heads uh, just like welcoming into the village but like with the dragon quest series the cool thing about that because like you mentioned before that was actually your first dragon quest game is dragon quest 7 or at least beat uh uh uh, i don't know we heard that i i had played All the rest of them except seven. So seven was the last one oh. I needed to get to. Oh, so, yeah. okay, okay, all right. So in that case, yeah, it's just you have, you haven't gotten to that one, but um, I'm sorry. That's actually what I meant to say is that Dragon Quest Seven. It was the first time you actually got to play it. Yeah, it was my first time playing it. I never played it on the PlayStation. Yeah, uh, and for someone like me who did get to play it uh, and really, really enjoyed it, and actually it was held up. It's I think it's held up very well because I went back and checked it out recently. Dragon Quest Seven. It was this weird game where it's like 2D sprites on a 3D background. And that's like kind of what all those games were doing back then um, on the PlayStation, like Grandia, Grandia and stuff like that. Um, and the Saturn had a bunch of that, too. But um, at least I wish it had more of that. Like when I'm thinking like Dragon Force and those types of games where they had like the 2D sprites. And um, Dragon Quest 3D, I'm really happy. A 3DS version. I'm really happy that game got localized just because 
people were so into that experience because not only was it a very long main story game, but the 3DS version added like so much more content to the experience. It just that's why I felt like it was never going to get localized because it was such a huge game, and I think well, that people who are playing it now can appreciate that, or at least appreciate the fact that it got localized and thank those guys for doing so because it's such a huge task. I mean, it, I will say it might be almost a little bit like the length is a little bit. Uh, it's almost daunting. It's, it's too long. Yeah, or it's yeah, intimidating. No, it, that's. I, I think that's it's a. Sense. I think it's a solid adventure throughout, and there's not like yeah. any weak points really. Um, I mean, it's Dragon Quest has its own style, so it's not for everyone. But I do feel like having that such a length like is almost a deterrent. Like, who want you know to sit down like I'm going to put 80 hours into this thing, which I did. Uh, but I thought like it was a it was a very solid title, and I'm looking forward to. Well, I guess there's eight on 3ds coming out. Which will be fun to revisit, but more I interestingly, I, I keep trying to get into eight, and I only got to play like maybe five to ten hours of that game, and I've started it like two or three times. But it's that same experience. It feels like a, such an intimidating game uh, that I'm having a difficult time trying to uh, really get into. But I, I've seen my brother play it, and he got so far into it, and it seemed to get so much better and so much more interesting. This is just such a slow start, and that's what's kind of killing me. That uh, I think I'm going to try the 3DS version and really try to get into it then. But yeah, uh, so that's that's basically been playing. Um, yeah, might, yeah, trying so to catch up on the backlog. So what have you been playing? Oh gosh, I'm just thinking about the fact that we've still got like a couple months before we have to, not even two months, to worry about game of the year stuff. Yeah. Um, for me, <laughs> since the last podcast, I played through Yomori, Not Alone for the Vita. It's also out on Steam, but I played it on the Vita. Um, that was. Uh, fascinating experience because it's from the person who made it is someone who hasn't really directed a game before. She worked on uh, Disgaea 5 and, and, and I think also Disgaea 4, but mainly Disgaea 5. And this was her first experience directing a project. And when it was released in Japan, the people that I follow who played the imported version of that game seemed to really enjoy it. And so I wanted to try it out for myself. So I was I was hopeful and happy that I was able to like um, review it for the site. And you guys can check out my review up on RPGSite.net for yourself. Uh, but it was a crazy experience because... Uh, well, well, let me let me let me jump in here. So, yeah, I, I, the, I know that like this guy of five. Well, first of all, this is from Nipponichi and it's like kind of in their same vein as the Firefly Diary. I know it's not yeah. the same type of game, but it's kind of like that type it's of close. Package. It's actually kind of like uh, it. Yeah. And then like I remember what I heard and this, you mentioned this in your review is like one of the the the, the, the creator of Yomawari was working on this guy of five and several late nights she'd be driving home in the dark and I guess, like, kind of, you know, even as an adult, you sometimes get a little bit spooked uh, when it's when there's nobody else outside and it's just dark and, you know, you're all by yourself. And then she started having, like, these thoughts about what if there's creatures or monsters and things. And that's kind of, like, was the basic inspiration behind the Yomawari. Yeah, she was talking about this at Anime Expo when there was a panel that she had. It was only it was a panel just for the game itself that Nice America was holding. But yeah, it's because in Japan when she was going out in these rural roads, there was like no lights at all because they just haven't built them out that far, and so you'd have to rely on your headlights uh, to get through those areas of of the country. Uh, and 
that's yeah that's that's pretty much what was going on is that she would think about all these creatures and that's kind of what inspired the designs of the monsters in that game and in the game itself uh a lot of them are just you know directly inspired by japanese folklore and and urban legends and uh, that type of thing and so um you can like look up the the yokai as it were uh, of those of those creatures and the monster designs are kind of nuts uh so there's not a whole lot of variety to them but there's different kinds of of monsters that you'll encounter or spirits as they were that are violent there's ones that just outright show up and chase you down there's ones that are just like silhouettes of people with like nooses around their necks that you have to hide and the, the way you hide in this game is that because you, you said you basically just put your character behind like a bench or not a bench it's like bushes or oh. signs there's signs that you can hide hide behind and that's kind of the only way you can escape uh obviously with this type of game you can't hurt other people it's kind of like amnesia or uh like alien isolation in that you don't have a way to attack others you can only run and hide and there's a stamina meter at the bottom of the screen but that stamina goes really quickly when you're not around any other spirits it's a pretty big stamina bar but when you get close to other monsters it really goes down super quick which kind of confused me for a second because i was just thinking you know the nature of the human body you know adrenaline and all that when someone's chasing you you're going to run a lot faster than you normally would uh, but in this game it's just like it shrinks so quickly and you're uh, that person's on you almost immediately so it's a lot of you, you said in your review like yeah um i don't know if you said this outright but you have checkpoints that you unlock i did is, yeah. is there is there a lot of like guessing or uh like like guess and check like Maybe I should do this. Oh nope, I got caught. Let me try load the checkpoint and try something else. Like, is there a lot of brute forcing it with like forcing checkpoints over and over? Or there is that um, the way to so so like around the map, and this is all set in like in a small town Japan area, uh, like with a downtown area, but also like you go out to the rice fields or to the school with the swimming pool, and then all these other places like the, in the hills and the forest, that kind of thing. Um, there's these different checkpoints which are kind of like these candles uh, that are like you know shrines that you come up come up to and uh, activate and the only way to activate the shrine is by using a coin and coins are kind of hard to find in that game so there is definitely a, a trial and error in this game but that's not i think that else is is like is a detriment to the game as well because uh when you're trying to have fun with this game and really get uh absorbed into it it's it, when you get killed so easily and so quickly and you're usually not knowing what's coming after you uh, it just kind of stops like all the action stops and it really takes you out of that whole experience because of that because there's just a lot of stop and go and that's I think that's what kind of hurts the game I mean if if you could survive an attack from a spirit and carry on and just and keep running like if you had a limp or something um, the game would be a lot shorter so that's probably why they had to do something like that they had to come up with that way and it's clear that you know if someone caught a little girl like that they should be dead instantly that's just that, <laughs> it's common sense I would be killed instantly yeah. like I have no there's no way anybody would survive that type of attack and i think like the whole the whole town i was well it feels like you know kind of point a part of the game is that you're supposed to feel a little bit helpless and afraid and alone and all that yeah but there's all these different things that are working against you and it's kind of difficult and sometimes it's confusing uh exactly what you're supposed to be doing at times because uh, there's no like there's a mini map 
but that's mostly just it's like a it's like a hand drawn crayon map. <laughs> it is drawn with a crayon, uh, and it's adorable at, at the same time. But that's like a lot of like boxes. Like okay, this is where the school is, and uh, there's these places that you can't go. So here's like a red X. But that's about it. Um, they do kind of nudge you a little bit about what you're supposed to be doing. Um, but there is like this weird sense of like the hitboxes on the spirits are way too big. Like they can eat, like I could be like pretty far away from that monster, but they're, they're charging and you're kind of clip like an invisible box and you're dead. That's, that's sometimes what it feels like what happens there. But, um, I don't want to sure, say too much. Sure. Sure. Blame it on the hitboxes. No, it totally. I mean, there's I'm like kidding. this weird, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like you're trying to hide behind a building, but then they come charging across and you feel like, Oh, I have plenty of space to get un- behind this monster, but nope, you get killed. Um, there's no real like, bosses or anything like that uh it's mostly just like escaping spirits of different sizes to try to make your way through so the game so part. yeah so is the main is like the main gameplay of this mainly just how to step around enemies to get past them without noticing without getting killed basically? yeah yeah pretty much and i actually didn't explain what the whole concept of the game is supposed to be what the story is uh so it's about a little girl who goes out in the dark uh to walk her dog and uh, uh events happened because I, I don't want to spoil it um and this happens like within the first like 15 minutes and that's kind of what i broached a little bit in my review about what happens at the beginning of the game uh, well you, it was I super mean, shocking you don't need to spoil it you just say the dog gets well you sorry you didn't say this in the review but but the dog goes missing and she basically has to find it and now she's wandering all alone at night yeah that's that's what i did say in the review is that um so the dog goes missing you go back home because you don't know what to do because you can't find the dog and you meet your sister your older sister um and uh basically you tell her what happens and she says all right you you wait here you hide behind this bush and that's kind of what introduces you to the mechanic you hide here i'll go find the dog and so you uh, you go run uh she goes running off and you just kind of sit there and sit there and sit there and you don't hear anyone you don't hear like she never she doesn't come back it's been like maybe a couple hours since she said you know to wait and so she leaves and like that's kind of where the game kind of uh you get control of the character at that point because like i have to go find my sister i don't know where she went and so you i guess actually at that point is that you come across a flashlight and then you go home and she's not there either and so you kind of go back home and that's kind of where the game breaks it up into chapters that you go out, do something, come home and then you start again in your room and you say, like, I, I got to go out and find her. It doesn't it's, it's all takes place in one night, too. It's not like it's multiple nights. Yeah. So there's just a lot of stuff that's going on in that story. And it's so atmospheric, like all you can hear. There's no music at all. Like there's a there's a song that plays in the trailer. But that's it. That's the only song that's in that entire game. And that's not even in the game, uh, except for maybe in the credits, I think. So otherwise, it's all about uh, that perfect atmosphere that it really delivers on, I believe, uh, I feel. Perfect perfect Halloween game. Yeah, I think it really is. And I actually didn't know this at the time because I was kind of playing around in my head like, okay, how am I going to score this game? What are my real thoughts about that? I actually slept on it because I didn't want to rush into my review. It's only $20, and I think that's the perfect price for this game because it's not that long. I actually mentioned that review. It's kind of – it's hurt a little bit because it's not a very long game. Um, 
uh, and there's no real reason to play it again uh, unless you really want to. <laughs> so uh, I think for that price, though, it really it, I think it's a really good purchase. And it's I don't think it's on sale. Like Steam has a Halloween sale going on. I'm pretty sure it's not on sale because it only came out this past week. So that makes sense. Uh, but I would highly recommend checking this game out if you're interested in adventure games, like survival horror games specifically, because that's pretty much what this game is. It's a survival horror title. Um and uh, you know, check out my review. I didn't spoil anything in there, other than like some hints about what is, where the story goes. Uh, but I would say check it out. And then, yeah, other than that, so I mean, that, that's the, uh, it's probably not the type of game I would play. But it sounds like, you know, for these little, I, I like it when these these big. I mean, Nipponichi is not a huge developer, but still, no. that they kind of spread their wings a bit and just try something a little bit different, a little bit new, kind of like a, like like we said, it was just like someone's idea from driving home at night turned into a game and you know stuff like that's always pretty cool yeah Nippon Ichi made it pretty clear um and I think that may be in part because they lost so many developers um because they weren't paying people's page they weren't they weren't sending out paychecks to developers so a lot of them left and went with Idea Factory that's kind of what happened with a lot of those games um and Disgaea 5 uh I just hope this is still Disgaea 6 but in the meantime I would be super happy if they put out more games like this because it's so much fun and I do know there's people who really enjoyed Firefly Diary. I know David, who did our review, did not like that don't, game. Don't, but... don't, the main thing I remember from David is he said the controls suck. So. Yeah, the controls were just fine in this game. So I don't know if it's just that he was... Um, I think that it was also the fault of a bad checkpoint system, which Yomorai also has kind of a bad checkpoint system. Because uh, if you die, you go all the way back to that previous shrine that you saved at. And if you didn't have any coins, that could have been a long time ago. So that's that can be frustrating. Uh, I think Firefly Diary had that same problem, but I think that was actually a special edition where you get both games, or at least maybe I think that's maybe by default. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that at least it was like the special edition uh, Nice America did on their site, which was not much more expensive. You get both games um, for the price for like- of one, <laughs> or at least it's all bundled together, which is I think is is pretty good deal. Uh, other than that, I was basically playing um, some mobile games. Uh, a few months ago, I lost... I mean... <laughs> sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting you love tired. Your, you love your Battle battle Girl High School. Yes, what happened was that... I'll just kind of roll my eyes at you, but whatever. Yeah, I can't see your <laughs> eyes because we're on a pod, audio podcast, so I'm sure that really plays. But uh, a few months ago, I decided to install some uh, custom a custom ROM on my phone, and so I decided to like switch... Uh, I, for, I had to format my phone. What I didn't realize is that my progress in Battle Goal High School that I put maybe like 100 to 200 hours in got erased in the meantime because I thought I had backed it up, but clearly it didn't because it wasn't working at all. So I lost all that progress I made. And that's that really bummed me out because that was what helped me get through when I was injured because I was in a hospital bed for a week at the hospital. And uh, I had only kind of that game to play at that time. Uh, and there was nothing really else on my phone. There was no like Wi-Fi, so I couldn't like download anything while I was still yeah. there. So that was that was that that helped me cope, and that was kind of like an uplifting game because it's such a bright and colorful game. Uh, recently, I got back into it just because I missed it, of course. And I've really been enjoying that. They keep putting out more characters, more music, more battles, more weapons, all these things that are more costumes that I kind of have a lot of fun with. And it's such an approachable game. Me and Josh uh, last year put out a video on our YouTube channel. Uh, youtube.com slash rpg site net that was kind of a, t- a tutorial or 
more like my uh, my way of telling people, hey, check out this game. You don't have to know Japanese whatsoever to really enjoy it. And that still remains true to this day. I've tried all these other Japanese games and Korean games, and um, I just can, can't pick it up as much as I could with Battle Goal High School. It's not as approachable. It's not as simple. It's not like everything's kind of laid out in front. Because you were talking about like with... Um, with Fire Emblem uh, Fates, where the the menus are a lot better, uh, that's kind of what it's like with this game. In that everything is very easy to find, and it's, well, it's such just, a what? Well, just to kind of mention, uh, just kind of mention, sorry, kind of cut out a little bit there, but just kind of mention when I was playing Mystery, of the, I mentioned I played Fire Emblem Twelve. I played yeah. that in Japanese, and like I'm like some of those games, it doesn't really require a whole lot of, I mean. You know, where I mean, I'm assuming Battle Girl High School, you have like an attack button for in combat and maybe like an equipment screen, and it's probably not that complex. No, I mean, all I mean, the combat in Battle Girl High School is just you're tapping the screen and you're trying to like bounce a ball up, like it's like you're trying to like keep tapping the, like one spot of the screen and a ball just kind of flies up and comes back. So it's just like you're it's like one of like a paddle ball, you know, like with the uh, the yeah, pad with a ball at the end that with a string attached to it. You're just bouncing it constantly, uh, like that. That's kind of it's pretty much what that is. It could be either like one ball or two or three. So you're just bouncing them like uh, like ricocheting them off your finger, kind of thing. It's really fun, uh, and that's and that's what got me so into that game in the first place, just because everything was so simple, but the style is so great. And actually, they're making an anime uh, they announced not long ago um, for Battle Girl High School that I'm excited for. So, uh, and then also. Another mobile game that just came out yesterday, I believe, is Destiny Child. It's not Destiny's Child; it's Destiny Child. With which I'm not, which if I'm not mistaken, it's the, uh, the person who does the art for this game is the same person who did the stuff for like Magna Carta and A War of the Genesis. Those games, uh, various yeah. over-sexualized I, I know, women I know. with the crazy an- anatomy. Yeah, I, don't know, I, know, I forget. I forget the name, but I know exactly the style. I played Magna Carta two. So yeah, yeah. I think it's like, uh, let's see. I want to say, uh, uh, Kum Hyun Tai. I think is is the character. Yeah, yeah I think he, like he left. He left uh, NCSoft because he was helping on Blade and Soul, in, in those types of games. And he went and made his own MMO. Uh, uh, not so he made his own mobile game. Uh, and that's kind of what this is. And I posted like some screenshots. I also posted a gameplay, a little bit of gameplay, like twenty minutes of that on our YouTube channel as well. So if anyone is interested, check that out. But yeah, way over-sexualized women. It's bizarre uh, at times, the proportions of those characters, and it's clear what the game is tailored towards. But, you know, it's also kind of interesting in the in the gameplay aspect. It's, it's also a very straightforward game that I might keep playing. I played about maybe four hours of it just today alone, and I'm having a lot of fun with that as well. Um, but that's that's kind of what I've also been playing. But lastly... I did want to mention a game that I only installed maybe about three hours ago, Civilization VI. Uh, I've not played any of the Civilization games since three, and three I played a huge amount of, like hundreds of hours, like almost as much as I played Age of Empires two. Like it's on that level, and I played a maybe like two thousand hours of that game, maybe not on the same level. So that I played way more Age of Empires than I ever did Civilization three, but I did play a good amount with my brothers. Um, we used to do like uh, land, uh, local, yeah. local land. Yeah, you, you probably know what I'm talking I, about. I, I, I never played uh, Civilization, but I, I, I totally understand what you mean by like Age of Empires two, yeah. uh, local land parties with IP connected yeah, IPs and, and all that. And they, you know, Age of Empires had all these like pseudo games or like 
like Castle Blood was the popular one where they kind of had like games that you made within the game. Uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about on that front. Absolutely. And that's and that's what um from what I heard about Civilization 6 that it's meant to be far more approachable uh, for people that have not played the series before or at least it's been a long time and so far i mean i still have it up it's on another screen that i've got here i haven't touched it since we started recording but i keep looking back at it just because i'm interested in seeing what's going on um it's really fun uh it's it's got a lot of features in the game everything is broken out it's like districts now so it's a lot more like compartmentalized uh in the stuff that you can create when it comes to like you know culture and your economy and uh, uh, you know the the different holy shrines and all the stuff that um, I'm still trying to understand here. I I played a little bit of the uh, tutorial, but I got kind of lost with that, so I just decided to play in the in the main game proper because then you're just you have like an advisor that's just kind of telling you what to do instead of like reading tons and tons of scripts that yeah. I just kind of get lost in. I just don't for, have for games for games like Civilization. It's like I've never played Civilization, so I am kind of just making assumptions here. But it's the type of game where I figure like reading a tutorial or reading a guide is just gonna make you even more confused. Where you just kind of need to like dive in and just try it, and then eventually you'll start to click. Like, oh, this is all the things they manage and how you can you know approach everything. And I'm sure it is pretty dense, so it might take yeah. some time to get really acquainted with. But I- I've heard some really good things. Uh, yeah, already I, absolutely. I, actually, I think it's a type of game that you might really enjoy as well because it's kind of fun. Because I like to play the long game, and that I don't like to just straight up build my military and start going after other uh, civilizations. I just like to build up my defenses, farm, uh, you know, grow my cities, and then settle more cities, and just kind of build my empire that way from the middle out instead of just you know using up all my money that I have just to build soldiers and other uh, military units. And so that's kind of what I've got going on right now. I'm already slowly taking over the world because <laughs> I've just been kind of doing that. And that's that's the great thing about civilization is that at some point, you could just start to take over the entire world. And these are huge maps. Like, you can create even bigger maps. I just made, like, one that's, like, a smaller one with, like, six different civilizations on continents. But you can create, like, the one that's, like, almost the size of the entire planet, like, the planet Earth. So just as much as, like, how far you have to go and you have the only way you can get over there is by plane or just a really long boat ride, a boat trip. Um But it, it, it's that uh feeling of domination that is so exciting. And... I, I'm having a lot of fun with it already, and so that's that's what I'm excited to try out more. Um, but we were just talking about like, Game of the Year. We need, we did before this podcast, we were talking about, like, well, we still need to play like, Tokyo Mirage Sessions and Trails of yep. Cold Steel and Second Chapter and all this stuff that we, um, that we really need to focus on. But I'm slowly getting super sucked into, like, Civilization VI, so it's going to be kind of tough for me. I feel like when we get yeah. to, like, the tangential uh, award, which is, you know, RPGs, that are the games that we're going to award that we would cover, but they're not really technically RPGs, I feel like this game's going to be up there. Uh, I know Alex uh, feels a lot of the same thing, that and, like, XCOM 2, but uh, yeah. we'll see how that goes. But that's kind of what I've been playing here Um and I feel like that's probably going to be my schedule co- coming up. I have no other games to review uh, at this point, and so it's going to be like well, a lot of that and catch up. In terms, of, in terms of raw RPGs, most of the big ones have come out. We're still waiting on Final Fantasy XV is the big one. Yep. Um, and then there's Pokemon. <laughs> yes. And then there's a couple of others. Like there's a there's the <laughs> Dragon Ball Fusions is an RPG yes. for 3DS. There's uh, Xanadu Next on PC coming out next week yep so there's there's a couple of smaller ones and then sort of sort online uh hollow realization is also oh, yeah. out soon 
Um, yeah, and I I'm, I keep blanking. Isn't there like one out in December? Maybe that's the Dragon Ball game I'm thinking of. Dragon Ball is out in December, and I yeah. don't think there's much out. Most, Kingdom Hearts and South Park were supposed to be out in December, but they got pushed back. Yeah, so. there's a lot of games in January. It's it's going to be kind of tough, but I'm I'm just going to be glad that 2016 is going to be over with soon enough. But yeah. another another PC RPG coming out is Tyranny from Obsidian. Yes, Obsidian. Um, that's going to be super exciting just because they uh, seem to like understand what they what people loved about Pillage uh, of Eternity. Uh, sorry, Pillar of Eternity, not Pillage. Pillar of Eternity and Pillars more than one. Pillars. Yeah. So um, I think that people had some issues with like the difficulty and all this other stuff, and uh, they seem to be making. It's the same engine, they, but it they seem they seem to better. have found their their niche in uh, making these PC. RPG is kind of like the, you know, the Baldur's Gate um, throwback kind of in the modern day. So speaking of Obsidian, it was kind of funny to me that people talked about how they wanted because recently Fallout New Vegas celebrated its birthday, and people said, "Why doesn't Obsidian make another expansion for Fallout 4?" And I'm like, "Do you guys? Did you guys read the news about yeah, what right. happened?" Because it, because Vegas. it's meta, it's Metacritic at some point was an eighty four, not an eighty five, and because yes. of that they missed like a huge bonus. Um, they, oh, they got paid no royalties whatsoever yeah. for that, and I'm like, why would they ever want to be put in that type of position ever again, or at least work with a company that has that type of mentality? It's it's beyond me, and so I think that people that really want that. Just give it up, guys. It's not Obsidian. Happen. Obsidian seems like a cool place. Like, I mean, I know they're probably much small. I know they're probably smaller than they have been, but it's it's actually with our Twitter feed on RPG site. Sometimes the city will just, you know, they kind of like shoot the stuff. They just chat about whatever they want with us. Sometimes the community manager is a pretty weird guy, but that's yeah. <laughs> he's not posting memes. Uh, that's yeah. that's that's the type of guy that he is. Um, but I've heard he's you know in real life he's a very fun guy to, uh, to hang out with. So one of these days we gotta we gotta meet up with the Obsidian folks. Uh, but yeah, they always make some amazing RPGs. Not clearly not the most balanced or like technically. Uh, I still have a huge I still have a huge soft spot for uh, Alpha Protocol. Oh, absolutely! It's, it's such game. a it's such a rough game, but I love it. Oh yeah, I mean, even if they have to rely on on the fan base to get the games working properly, they're clearly they're not good with the bug testing. But uh, yep. do love their stories, and I'm excited for Tyranny. And what, what, actually, I was thinking of like other games like that. Um, Windows. Uh, Van- that, Sorry. Well, next year there's a. Um, Torment Knight Tides of Numenera from uh, I don't know how you pronounce this, In Exile. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's that's In Exile. Yep, that's that's supposed to be coming out too. And I think that was recently announced for like maybe not even recent, like a couple months ago. It was announced for like the PlayStation Four or oh, I, consoles. I, I, I totally missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's gonna be out. Uh, pretty. Soon. Anyways, anyways, yeah. Just with games I'm playing, like November is gonna be catch up. So like you said, I want to play Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I want to play. Shin Megami Tensei, because apparently that one's really good for 3DS, um, and the Trails of Cold Steel games, which I hear about all the time, but I haven't played them yet. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about, like, yeah, there's so many games that we have to play before the end of the year, and that was kind of the bummer about last year's podca- uh, Game of the Year podcast, is a lot of, like, having to rely on other people's experiences, yeah. but I feel like at this point, we have enough of those games in our possession that uh, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Uh, the last two podcasts went about five hours long, uh, the Game of the Year podcast, by the time we were done. Like, we had to take a break in between, yeah. and so I'm... Well, I think, I think we're going to be in a better shape this year. Absolutely. that's We have more people who have played more games. That's 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 going to help out. It's, 
Not very, not like new staff members either. I mean, we got Kyle we'll probably, and Joshua. I, I, I assume we'll have probably less people this year, actually. Yeah, which probably yeah. is a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because last year we might have, we had like eleven people at one point. And it was kind of. <laughs> I mean, we've got your brother now, and we got my brother, so it's going to be an interesting conversation with that. Because he's my brother has played a lot of RPGs that I just haven't got the time to. And he's Adam is currently playing uh, Nobunaga's Ambition, Sphere of Influence, uh, Ascension, I think it's called, or whatever, like the expansion that just came out. Uh, we'll have a review up on that pretty soon. But it's kind of weird. Like you and I are both twins. Like you're not like uh, to each other, but I have a twin have, and you have a twin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're both now working for the site too, which is kind of a crazy thing. Um, and now you I th- are you actually are you actually living with your brother now? Is that what's going for on? For now. Yeah. yeah that's what I thought. School, looking for a job. Yep. Yeah. In Arizona? Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, sorry. It's the A is what I think of, but I was actually thinking like how close you were to us, but yeah, sometime we'll have to hang out. Anyway, uh, let's get on to the news because there was a lot of stuff that was talked about and it's already been a long podcast, but we do want to get into some of the bigger news that came out. Um, so first off, we do have to talk about the biggest news that happened between um, our podcast and that is the announcement of the Nintendo Switch, Nintendo's new console that is meant to act as sort of a hybrid console between uh, something that you can play on the home, but it's got like a docking station that you put your um, handheld into and that in turn puts it out to the TV, but you can take, pick it up and take it with you. So, uh, Adam, you want to share, before I run out of breath here, you want to share some of the details about the Nintendo Switch? Well, I mean, all they've shown so far is a... Um a like a teaser video basically he's kind yeah. of showing off what it looks like and kind of like a concept of what you can do with it so i mean i'm sure everyone's seen it by now but it's basically a it's what what the switch really is it's like a handheld thing and it's like a 720p like a 15 or inch screen i don't have a you know it's a fairly large screen on this handheld it was uh, from what i heard it's about six uh, and a quarter inches uh, diagonally, I think it's like so. It's like, uh, but that's like from the screen itself. Uh, oh, the screen. So th- yeah. It's like it's supposed to be. It's basically like the size of a Wii U tablet. That's kind of what people yeah. were just saying. Yeah, yeah. I know people were making the joke that it was like the Wii U was like the prototype, like beta test or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that is the Switch. That like that's the hardware is in there, and then it comes with like a dock, which is from what from what the rumors say is basically just a TV out, um, which you can now play these games on your TV. Um, so it's basically the hybrid that was rumored. And it uses cartridges. Yes, at least that's kind of what people are thinking about. Oh, I'm sorry, it does use cartridges. No, that, that's that's improved. That's exactly, it was that's rumored for a long time, but now that, that's what they showed. Um, and then the, some of the other rumors that haven't been confirmed yet is that it doesn't have like you cannot use a hard drive with it, but it will yeah. support like SD memory, like up to 128 gigs. So it's kind of similar to the to the Wii U and See, the 3DS in that that's regard. The, that's the thing is that that's the rumor and. You would think that Nintendo would not do that. I actually don't think they should do that. Uh, support like the open, um, like the op- op- open. That. I think it needs to be maybe more something more proprietary, just because the Wii and the Wii U, thanks to having support for SD and USB, were hacked way open. <laughs> like uh, we're talking about, like you could. At this point, with either console, you can play anything you want to. Backups, emulators, whatever, because of the fact that they supported those things. And so if they want to be concerned about the security of their platform with the Nintendo Switch, they probably don't want to support those things. But if they're not going to support external hard drives and they're not going to support SD or micro SDs, 
um, they don't really have much more. Uh, they have to have like a huge internal hard uh, internal hard drive, but that's just not going to happen. I mean, it's just. I mean, I don't buy a lot of stuff digitally from Nintendo, but like on the Wii U, you only had like thirty gigs. Thirty-two. Oh. Yep, that was, and not even thirty-two. It was like you did the. That was uh, only the deluxe version, I think. Yeah, the but even then, like, because the space was taken up by like the operating yeah. system, all that it was more like twenty-six and then, like, or twenty-five. So I, I haven't actually played it yet, but like Xenoblade Chronicles X or Cross or whatever, like you, you want to download the updates to like make it load better, yeah. and that takes up space. You, and like it, you, the thirty-two wasn't big enough, or at least it was. And I, and I yeah, and I know you can get like I know you can use like SD or USB like flash memory to support it but then i haven't actually experienced this myself i know some people had issues with like making sure that okay if i put the xenoblade chronicles like patches they have to be on the main system and then like your save file you can mess with that that's like it doesn't it doesn't like the expandable memory is just kind of awkwardly implemented on how you can like actually use it and like where you store your games and where you store your saves and it's just just kind of a awkward yeah. <laughs> well, well, a lot of nintendo stuff is pretty awkward yeah <laughs> let's let's talk more about the console stuff and so it's a docking station um that you put the tablet into of course and on each side there are these like joy cons is what they call them it's that and, and they're on opposite side like the analog sticks are on opposite side so you've got like an analog stick on the top left and four face buttons on the left side so they got rid of the d-pad other than like the start button, which you know, even the Wii controller has had like that plus and minus, so that's their start and select. But yeah. they got rid of the D-pad. Um, now you've just got an analog stick and four face buttons on either side. Uh, one's on like the like I said, like in the northwest is one analog stick, and on the southeast is on another analog stick. So they stopped doing the very awkward horizontal analog sticks that just felt like uncomfortable after a while. I think Sony can get away with that just because it's the way that their position is a little bit easier to hold on to, but I think people still kind of prefer the Xbox controllers just because it just feels more natural in your hand. But, um, so it's the, the way that it got its name is that you detach, you can detach those controllers and put them on like a little, basically like a piece of plastic and use that as a controller. <laughs> and yeah. otherwise you attach it to either side of the tablet itself, hold on to it, and play the game that way like its own handheld. And yeah, that's kind of showed... I think that's what I was mentioning before in terms of its size. Like yeah. the screen itself is like six inches, and then you have like the, the and these these Joy-Con controllers, what they're called. Like I, I showed some people like playing them. Like they look kind of awkward when they're not attached to the tablet. Absolutely. I mean, when yeah, when it was like on the tablet, and the, the kind of cool thing was the whole like the way the trailer went is that. It starts off with the guy just playing uh, Leg- uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on his big screen. And then he went over to the tablet, to the docking station, took the Joy-Cons off of his like little controller that he had and put him on the, the ta- handle itself, the tablet. Uh, picked it up and just started playing Zelda. And there was like very little, if any, like interruption between doing that, which I thought was pretty uh, crazy and it's, awesome. Yeah, but that's that's all that footage was just... Like that, that was not it really working. Well, in superimposed, and I think it was stupid yeah. people like saying like I think there was even some uproar like well, that's just false advertising. Like no, simulated it's... images is like the video that they do. That's very very normal because that it just doesn't work. You don't get a good picture. It just it's not good right. for anybody when you do something like that. And it, I think that is very it would be poor if they did something like that. I just mean more just the fact that the whole concept of being able right. to take the 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 tablet out and immediately start playing and with no interruption. So, um, 
I uh, I really like the the. <laughs> I actually do want to mention before I go on is just I just noticed this Nintendo's uh, the N- Nintendo Switch announcement video just passed 19 million views on YouTube. That's like almost sure. twice as many Wii U owners. <laughs> just the fact that they looked at this thing. So clearly, there's a lot of interest in this thing. But um, yeah, it's, so you you pick that up, you take it out. But you were talking about the fact that the controllers felt awkward to hold, and I felt like well, they the, they just look so small if you're like not. Like I guess that's more for like multiplayer. Like we don't even know how multiplayer is going to work. Or that was like, the weird thing about those about the trailer that they did is that all these scenarios that you just don't see really happening. Uh, like what he went onto a flight and he took the tablet off, put up a kickstand, set it down on on like the little tray that pops out from behind the seat, and just took the controllers out and just leaned back and started playing that game with like someone sleeping right next to him. I mean, and, I would if you're playing on a flight, wouldn't you just have the controllers on the screen and like would, like, yeah. like a handheld? <laughs> so. It's big enough. I would not want to like uh, remove it at all. Like I'd want to be able to put that screen right in my face and just start playing it that way. I don't know why he did this, something like that or what the point is. That screen is just too small for me to like experience. Like I own a seven-inch tablet, and that's supposed to be a little bit bigger than this. And even then, it just felt like you—it's hard enough to play on such a small screen. And then, yeah, like they showed those guys playing in the back seat of a car, holding those controllers, and it felt like their their hands were like way too big for it because it just like they were just—it felt like they were just starting to like the, their thumbs are pushing into each other. It just felt like such an awkward experience. I don't know if that's gonna work, and. I don't know if like those, whoever played those games have really small hands. I don't know. Because <laughs> it just doesn't feel like a very comfortable experience to be doing something like that. So it feels like you'll never be able to play. You don't want to play that game with multiplayer. I don't know why you'd want to play split screen on a screen of that size. Just because that's, that's like three inches per person. I don't know if you'd ever want to experience something like that. It was hard enough playing like on a 19 inch CRT when I was in high school. Uh, so I don't want to experience like a... Well, anyways, so the one the one thing about this that I'm most interested in is like so this is meant to be their hybrid, yeah. So like, so, so of course we can expect like their main series Zelda. Of course, they they teased a Mario game, which we know there's eventually going to be a Mario for it. Um, and so we we know those series are going to be on it. But like, what about those like 3DS games, like th- series that have found homes on 3DS? Like, how are those going to work on Switch? And especially because the screen is different, like even like if I just go with Fire Emblem, for example, Fire Emblem, like the modern ones, Awakening and uh, Fates, they use that bottom screen pretty like extensively. And yes, I know, obviously, there are plenty of Fire Emblems before the dual screen, but it's just like going back to like the single screen um, that but more importantly, like games like Etrian Odyssey, like or those other dual screen games, like how do those work? And then what I'm getting at is that. They said that right now this this switch does not replace 3ds. Whether or not I believe them, <laughs> no, because yeah, they also talked about how like the DS did not replace GBA. So yeah, we, we, did, we did we did mention like that before, but um, it feels like it's it's got to like it's got to replace it because they have to really put a lot of focus on on this console. Otherwise, like who is this? Who is this for? At the same time, because it's people who own the handhelds, uh, like kids, for example. They're not going to want something big like this. They'll stick to their 2DS or their 3DS because all their friends still have one, you know, and all the all the games they want to play are on there unless they end support. Because um, I don't see you carrying around 
a, t- a tablet of that size like you would carry like an ipad of course but like even kids i don't think they're really interested in something of that size and it just feels awkward to hold and the games aren't really there and so like unless they put as you were talking uh, like monster hunter and, and those types of games on there it doesn't seem like it's ever going to really it doesn't really serve anybody other, other than like hardcore nintendo players um, yeah as far as like games like on the ds and on the wii u and all that coming to the switch I would say it would still work. It's just the fact that there's plenty of games that don't really do anything with that bottom screen at all. Like, it, it, for like of, Splatoon, for example, all it is is a map. It just shows yeah. you how much of the map has been covered in. You Mario can totally Kart. Mario yeah, Kart. just a horn. horn. <laughs> yeah, this really stupid thing that they did. Um, so, like, the games that were uh, good enough for that platform clearly will be ported over. Um like Splatoon and Mario Kart and stuff like that, or like a whole new game. It might not even be a port. It might be like a whole new entry in that series, what they were kind of teasing in those trailers. But I, I don't know. Um, but- I, 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 it's more of a convenience thing. Like, for example, like, uh, you know, even just the Bravely games, which I've been playing, you know, they have like the stats or whatever, or, you know, like um, in Shin Megami Tensei, you have your your characters and your demons down there. So I know obviously there are plenty of games that don't use dual screen, but it's it's actually kind of, it's actually kind of interesting to think about how Nintendo has been like in this dual screen era for a while now, and now they're going, they're they're leaving it. So, yeah, uh, but we'll have to see about what exactly happens. And I'm just kind of looking at the um, they put out that Nintendo Switch partners, like the sampling of them, and I was kind of surprised about some of the ones that were included with that. Like for example, Tokyo RPG Factory is directly mentioned in their lineup. Uh, which is odd because I would assume that you know they would just throw that in with Square Enix, but they specifically said it was it was Tokyo RPG Factory. So clearly they're making a new game. I mean that's not a surprise at all. But they're, it's it's the fact that they're putting it on there it means that they've got something deep into development. And so I'm I'm really excited to see what what's going to happen with that. Um, and then you've got like you know Platinum, and then you got Sega, of course, Spike Chunsoft. So Atlas. Spike Chunsoft might have like a maybe Duncan Ropa is going to come to the Nintendo Switch. Who knows? Like crazy things, crazier things have happened. I mean, and then, and then they of course have like uh, Ubisoft, which you know they always at least put like a Just Dance on there or whatever. But, oh, of uh, course, that's that's I'm not surprised. Wasn't to see From, From Software was on there too? Yeah, From Software's on there. Uh, so <laughs> some person mentioned like Armored Core, and like I guess, but there's plenty of other games that could come to that platform, and you know. Who knows? There's there's plenty of other developers that uh, likely have something to develop for that. I like how they mention like Autodesk and DNA. So clearly, you know, maybe with DNA being there, uh, we might see like Nintendo's mobile games coming to uh, the Nintendo Switch. But that's the thing. It's like the future, and and that's the the when they announced the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo stock actually dove, like it took a nosedive a little bit there because the investors wanted more smartphone games. They they wanted them to put more focus on smartphones, not on consoles. And so they hated that. And so Nintendo stock went down as a result of that. But the fact that DNA is on there is, is kind of surprising for me because they're the ones that helped on, on some of their other mobile games that Nintendo has done so far. And, and then, or, yeah, so they... I think this was part of the original like rumor from Eurogamer, how maybe some of their mobile efforts might also end up on there. So yeah. like whatever the newest, what, what like we know they're making a Fire Emblem game for mobile. We don't we have known we literally know nothing about it. No, nope. uh, or Animal Crossing and then Super maybe, Mario Run. Yes, yeah, that, that, that's the, those are the those are the new games, upcoming games that we know about. And so maybe the newest Fire Emblem will be like a mobile 
maybe they'll have like a mobile version and then like a switch version or you know we don't know <laughs> and that's the thing that like we're looking at like this list of third-party developers that are helping with the nintendo switch it's clearly bigger than the wii u but you've got to fill in like it doesn't matter we we're looking at these names who cares like it yeah, doesn't I mean, matter and like in, in, right. a, in a year it's going to be the same thing you're not the only reason you're going to buy a Nintendo Switch is to play Nintendo games. You're not yep. going to buy that expecting like a, a bunch of like well, the next Final Fantasy to come to the Nintendo Switch. It's probably not going to happen. It's still well, going to like be for like, ex- well, like for example, like Atlas is one of the developers listed on there. Now, Atlas, of course, has uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, but like if this is if this is going to be like the 3DS replacement, yeah. Atlas has a ton of games on 3DS, like all, all, Etrian Odyssey, Shin Megami Tensei. Um, the Soul Hackers and uh, the Devil Survivor series and the mainline. So they have a bunch of 3DS games. So it's like, so what I'm getting at is Nintendo's third-party support on their consoles has not been good for a long time. Like, not not since, I mean, what, N64 or SNES? N64 like, is when it was like, oh, this really, there was a really big problem here. That's where yeah, it started was the problem. So, so, but I'm wondering if, like, so they they get a little bit of Japanese support on the 3DS, like Atlas being my example there. So maybe oh, a lot, a lot of Japanese support yeah. on the 3DS. So, yeah. so, so maybe those Japanese third parties will kind of inevitably have no choice if they want to, like, to, to yeah. take these. Well, maybe not no choice, but maybe they'll at least move a little bit. Maybe they'll be a little bit more inclined to move to a console if that's really kind of their option. Is either we move to Switch or we move to, you know, PlayStation or PC or whatever. Or phones, you know, at the same or time. Phones. Because like, <laughs> Atlas uh, publishes a lot of third party and, like, sorry, a lot of like in, in, independent games uh, and small, like, smaller games like that. Well, and at- they're, they're expanding out. Like, they, they localize, like, Dungeon Travelers, like they, oh, they Atlas USA, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they localize a lot of those games. I mean, but that's still Atlas. I mean, that they could put the Atlas name on there and still say that they're good. It's not Japanese partners; it's just partners. Yeah. So that's that's why they can put their name on there and still expect something like that to come out from them. Well, um, I, but, but I, I was actually talking about just like Atlas has plenty of developed games on 3ds. But anyway, <laughs> let me just say something random. Maybe we'll get another Trauma Center, Trauma Team. That'd be pretty damn cool. I would love to see something like that. That's I've never serious. actually played any of those, but I I know the people who have are just they're wallowing. Really they're wallowing in their sadness that it, well that they're wondering if we'll ever get another entry. They're very damn good. I I would love to see something like that. Um, but I mean, let's let's just talk about like what games would you want to see on the Nintendo Switch? They think would cater towards that. I think like the biggest bummer that um, happened on the Wii U. Well, let's let's say hypothetically that it is there is a touch screen on on the Nintendo Switch. Let's just let's, let's like uh, pretend like there's more games on the um that there were like Wii U games that came out that we never got to see on on the Nintendo Switch. So like one of those could be Advance Wars. I think that was like the biggest thing that uh Nintendo missed out on is was not releasing uh an Advance Wars game. Uh, on on the Nintendo Wii U because just think about it, on the tablet itself, you've got your troops. Like you can order the troops. You got the map, the overhead map, and you can order your troops around and go to all these different places. I think like the the Nintendo Switch might be a good replacement for that if indeed it is that thing you were talking about before, Adam. That you'd be able to. Uh, take the DS games and 3DS games and all these other ones and play it on the Nintendo Switch. But it's kind of hard to say like what exactly that does for like their virtual console. They did say, and I, if, correct me if I'm wrong, they did say that there would be a virtual console solution on the Nintendo Switch. 
and uh, you know, thank God, because I think that's that's important for them. It doesn't have a disk drive, so uh, oh, actually, let's let's maybe back that up a little bit. One thing that they confirmed after the Nintendo Switch was released uh, or was uh, announced is that for one thing, there's no Wii U backwards compatibility because there's no disk drive. But it doesn't take 3DS games at all. Like, there's no slot for 3DS games. They just don't clearly work. And I think that was kind of like, you know, people were a lot ahead of themselves that they were think- expecting something like that to happen. But um, they they did come out and announce that. They also announced Amiibo support, you know, of course, because the Amiibo sell like pancakes. Like hot, hot, they sell like hotcakes, so of course they're going to do that. Um, They've slowed down a little bit, but it's, it's probably not something, I mean, something they're going to continue doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's something that they're really uh, excited to check out. But I, I think that the I would hope to see uh, a new Advance Wars game. That'd be pretty awesome to see. Um, but is there like any other games you can think of that you would like to see on the, on the Nintendo Switch? Like any series? Like I want a new Metroid, of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I love the Metroid Prime games. Like, I mean, I, I know that like Retro Studios is totally different staff now than what they've been. Yeah, that's but, the big like, thing. I mean, even something, well, I don't know. It's Metroid. Like, I, I don't think Other M was Other M was pretty bad. I don't think it was like totally awful. There was some shining spots there, but it just, I, I would hate that to be like that's the that's the last Metroid game. Like, give them another shot. I guess there was that 3DS thing I totally forgot about. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I guess at the same time, I have not been into the monster hunter series uh since like the original playstation 2 release i did play a lot of god eater when i reviewed that of course um and uh you know toki din is still my favorite of that entire genre but the concept of being able to play a monster hunter on the big screen again i think is i would play it I, i've been waiting for that to happen really I, like, yeah. I want it to return to the big screen and i'm not talking about monster hunter frontier and those online games i just want like a proper monster hunter console game again and then yeah. i can get into it I mean, from what I understand, Monster Hunter on 3DS is, of course, like immensely popular, especially yeah. in Japan. Like those things sell like a million copies in a day. Um, but uh, it, you know, the controls on the 3DS for that type of game are not ideal. So it'd be nice if you could have like a pro controller. I know the 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 commercial for Switch showed something where you could have like you know that console experience with it. And I'm sure that that seems like it would be suitable for both. The people who like it on the portable and the people who want it on the console. So it seems like something that's going to happen. Yeah, and if you but. can take like the the uh, Nintendo Switch with you and then play it with your friends, like in around a circle and play like have a Monster Hunter party, you know that kind of way. That'd be pretty fun. And- or, or I mean, or even or even just as a commute game. Like, hey, I have a one hour bus ride to work, especially in Japan when a lot of people take public transportation. Uh, I the, the one thing about Switch kind of an aside we don't know how good the battery is um, yeah did you hear that rumor i heard it's like three four hours which is like well uh that's not great but um i mean 3ds is a little bit better than that i've been playing it recently so i know it lasts maybe five or six hours but um still not the, ideal but same, yeah, I, I think i think it would, i think monster hunter for example like if you had it for your commute and it was <laughs> battery life lasts long enough those people would be into it um, the people that are the Monster Hunter fans, and then people who want it on a console can finally do that because you can't do that on 3DS, obviously. Yeah. So I, I, that, that seems like something that was a win-win situation. I mean, for, I for would, that. I would increase, personally so. say that if um, we don't know about the charging solution because there's this concern going around that you'll need the docking station in order to charge the system. I, I think would hope that 
I think there was a rumor that you could charge it with USB. So, like, for example, if you took it to work and you wanted to charge it at work, you could just plug it into a USB spot. uh, No, what I was going to say is that if there is a USB port on that actual tablet itself, then you can just do what I do with my Vita uh, or anything else. Bring along an external battery. That's all oh, yeah. you really need. And then you can just charge it wherever. So I think that's the perfect solution is that people concerned about the battery life just get an external battery, which are like super cheap for very big capacity batteries like that, and have no concerns. Like just have fun. You know, that's, that's, I mean, you could mention about like, you know, it's kind of a hassle to have two different things, but just do what I do, like tape it to the back of it and <laughs> have no problems whatsoever about taking that thing with you. Because the weird thing about the Nintendo Switch that I will mention, not only is it a big tablet, it looks to like it has like fan vents on it, which on a tablet seems yeah. really weird to have like vents on a tablet. Just imagine that happening. Uh, if it's going to be blowing hot air wherever you take it, I think that's going to make it uncomfortable. And I just... I think that might hurt it uh, as far as like people want to carry around something like that. And it's it's going to be odd enough like throwing that in your bag and taking it with you wherever you go. So I think for the most part, I think a lot of people are going to have that thing, you know, tethered to their TV and just enjoying it that way. And it really comes down to the software to determine the success, success for that thing. Not so much that it's a hybrid device yeah, as much as well, people predicted it. Personally... Like I, I play 3ds and Vita a lot, but I don't really travel with them. No, but I, I, I lay it on my bed. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I do travel when I, I don't travel often, but when I do, I will take one of them usually. Yeah. Um, but like 3ds, for example, I've been playing it a lot recently. Uh, is like I'll just take. I like I do like that I can like play it in bed, you know, in the, the hour before I fall asleep. Um, so I don't know if I would see myself doing that with Switch. Like if I'm playing Zelda, like you know what. It's it's eleven o'clock, you know, time to get ready for bed. Maybe I'll take it to my bed and just play it some more as I go to sleep. I don't know. Um, I don't know if I see myself doing that. But like in terms of the whole hybrid nature of it, that's the part that I can maybe see myself doing is like I could play it on my TV and then in my bed or whatever. Totally. So. I mean, I I still will use it for that function. I just I might not take it with me, you know, out and about just because right. maybe I'm afraid uh, someone I, might I, steal it. <laughs> I, I, well, I saw, I saw some I saw some people joking about this on Twitter. Like, if it's like a you're imagining a kid getting this, and they're like, "Bye, mom, I'm taking the switch." Like, no, you're not. That thing was three hundred dollars. You're not taking that. Take your yeah. phone instead. <laughs> that's pretty much like yeah. That's unless you're like you're being escorted by your parents or something. I just don't see right. it. Seeing people like all, out and about with their Nintendo Switch tablets playing around yeah. with their games, but you know. It's a really cool concept. Uh, people seem to like really, you know, uh, attack Nintendo sometimes for coming up with these different concepts and gimmicks and things like that. I think this is actually the straightest Nintendo's ever played as far yeah. as like when you think about their past consoles like with the Wii and the Wii U like how they tried to do like motion gaming which I hate. Um, and the Wii U just, you know, the fact that it was like this tablet which with a second screen experience. If this this seems like it's the perfect way for Nintendo to just, you know, bring in traditional games. Like they, yeah. I think that's the biggest problem they had with third parties is that they felt like, okay, we need to have a second screen experience with like and then, something on the tablet or with something on the screen. I mean, I'm sure porting a game is probably hard enough on itself. But say if I'm like a developer and I'm making a game for PlayStation, it's like, wait, do we want to make a Wii U version? Well, then we kind of then they have to like try to come up with like how do we use the screen and then. And you're like, still seeing some concerns like that with like Mass Effect Andromeda. They have no plans to release that on Nintendo Switch, which is a huge bummer. I think uh, some people like point out it's 
uh, it's because the Nintendo Switch uses an ARM CPU, but the Mass Effect Andromeda is built on the uh, Frostbite engine that the new Battlefield 1 uses, like the most recent version of that, which Battlefield 1 uses. But um, they showed Battlefield 4 running off of an iPad Mini. <laughs> so yeah. it clearly can scale to that screen and to that, and to that device. With that, it, it can totally run on that. So I don't know why they don't want to announce... Either that they're not going to announce it or it's until time comes and they want to or it just won't happen which is a bummer because mass effect 3 came out on the wii u so there's an audience there that i think that is is can be served toward uh, can be I, it's, it's, towards, it's, one, it's, it's, it's the type of thing where it's like it, nintendo will probably never get to the like be like a prime well how do i put this it's most people are going to go to Nintendo platforms for Nintendo games. That, so that, yeah, that, 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 that's, that's always a problem with the third parties. But like, I do think those Nintendo gamers would appreciate those versions. It's just that whether or not they're going to get like, like extended support, like it's been a long time since that, that since that's happened. So like, what did the Wii U got like versions of mass effect three and what, yeah. Arkham asylum or, uh, Arkham city. Was it one of the, one of the Batman Arkham games? city? Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution so it, it kind of got like these versions but they were like slightly modified too so it, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if can the NX get a version of a game that's basically equivalent rather than kind of like oh this is the weird this is or I called it the NX uh, I mean let's be let's be honest here no one's going to buy this as their primary console it's going to yeah, be their that, second that, console that, just that's, like that's, the that's kind of what I'm getting at it's like yeah you, you Nintendo wants third parties to support them. I'm sure Nintendo people would like to see those port games get ports, and ports are a good thing. Ports are never a bad thing. It's just that unless they're poorly done, it's I just don't know that. About that. But yeah, <laughs> that's ports are sometimes uh, a bad thing. But I would say it's more like I'm interested in the Nintendo Switch for Nintendo games. I'm not interested yeah. in the Switch for third party games. I've got a PlayStation Four. Uh, right. I've got a PC. I could totally just play it on. That, that's kind of that's, that's that's exactly what I'm getting at. It's just like. We talk about third-party support, but it's like, who really wants that? Um, the biggest-selling Nintendo games are Nintendo's games, not third-party games on so Nintendo. That, that's kind of that's kind of what I was getting at before. With like Atlas on 3DS has a plenty of 3DS games. Like maybe we could see a Devil Survivor game on Switch, and like that's not the type of series that you would find on. It's it's an Atlas game, so it's not like it cool. couldn't go to PS4, yeah. but it's a series that it doesn't have any history outside of Nintendo. So uh, well, that, let's, that, go, let's let's go one step further. Shimagami Tensei Five, a Nintendo Switch game. That's maybe. Yeah. Nintendo, okay. I mean, if you look at Four, came out only on the 3DS, and so that makes perfect sense that they would do something like that. I mean, people are already feeling like it's a long shot that Persona Five would be ported to the Nintendo Switch. I don't think so. I mean, honestly, I think that nah. makes a lot of sense that they would do something like that. I think it's because they feel like it's such a, a PlayStation property, which is yeah. kind of silly at the same time. But, I mean, if the, I mean, it makes sense just because Persona has been only on a PlayStation and that's, platform. And, but, and that's kind of why I brought up Trauma Team before. Is that That's also an Atlas Trauma game Center, on, yeah. on Nintendo. Um, and then there's also Etrian Odyssey, so that's kind of why I brought up Atlas before. I would, it's like love, third party. I would love a console Etrian Odyssey. That's, I mean, as cool as it is, I mean, we we talked about... The only problem I see with that is that that game lends so well to a dual-screen platform. That, that's kind of what I was getting at before. Like That, that game only yes. existed on dual screens. You can't have but, auto maps if you don't have a dual screen. It's like that's what I did. I was like I actually remember with Etrian Odyssey 4, um I had this trick where I figured out a way 
way to auto map to go in a circle and then i just held up in the screen and held down the the, the action button with like a screw I and think, then you can and level up can, like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah forever i cheated my way to like 50 levels it was ridiculous uh and that trick still works with like the recent one so i don't know maybe it's an odyssey 5 could be ported that way or other, it's a whole what, new one what other what other japanese third party is like has kind of that nintendo i guess there's like sega and sonic like yeah. Well, there's the new Sonic game that they announced that I don't think has been detailed. I mean, not Mania. Mix, yeah, it's there's uh, there's Mania, um, but then there's wasn't there supposed to be another one? I yeah, it's Project Sonic or just it's uh, or whatever they're calling it. It's it's that game that's actually Sonic Team. Well, I, could, I, I basically what I'm getting at is I can see maybe Switch having an exclusive. No, Sonic it game was Sega. announced for it was announced for Switch. Remember, like it was uh, the oh, NX I, logo. Was you at were the there. End of the trailer. Yeah, you were there, and I forget. I don't need to be there, but the trailer at the end of the trailer it had the NX logo, so it's totally announced for that. That and Just Dance, the only two announced games. But let's just wrap this up by saying that Nintendo did recently say that they're going to have a full reveal on January 12th. Supposedly, two months before that console came out, they're going to announce the uh, the price, the uh, release date, and the software lineup. Not just for launch, but in the in the coming months as well. Uh, which I think with the Wii U, the launch period ended like in August with like Wonderful 101. So it's the whole idea of like a launch period is kind of ridiculous already. But who knows? Yeah. But we're going to hopefully hear... A lot of games with the, with that many partners, you hope that they're going to announce a bunch of games, a lot of surprises because they need that. Because it's hard enough to understand who exactly the, the Switch is for outside of hardcore Nintendo fans. So, like, who, uh, kids well, are like, going to stick to their uh, the 3DS or 2DS and the phones. phones. Yeah. Uh, you know, and other casual players are just going to stick to like the other consoles that they've got. So it's it's hard to know exactly who this is for. So and let's just say Nintendo has a lot of marketing ahead of them uh, to get people convinced, but I'm excited to see what that is for. I'm, I would love to pick up a Nintendo switch. I'm personally excited for that thing. I, yep. Just a to see what they have in store. Yeah. So let's move on. Uh, we've got some other news to talk about. We're not going to spend too much time on this other stuff because we use so much of our time just talking about the switch, but they put out some more final fantasy 15 news. It's, we're just one month away from the release date of it, uh, and they uh, finally went gold, which you thought would never happen, but they actually said that Final Fantasy Fifteen has gone gold. You got anything to add to that? I, I was just thinking, like, it's gone gold, but that doesn't mean they, uh, like, in today's day and age, it, they could always add patches and whatnot, so exactly. they, what, is, what is going gold these days? But, yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, that's on the disc, but it's... Uh, I, Final Fantasy 15 is like I think it's won me back a little bit. Like, I, like maybe a year ago, I like didn't care at all, and I maybe I'm not like super anticipate. I'm not anticipating it like super greatly, but I'm like I'm curious. Like, ten years after its original announcement and after plenty of changes and all that, what does this game have? And I've seen a couple of positive impressions from people playing like the various demo versions available to press. So I'm curious. I'm very curious. That's what I'll put it. This is what this game has. I and think like, like, you know, Alex, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, uh, how do I put this? So I kind of li- I do like some of the things that like an open world structure kind of uh, offers in terms of like freedom of exploration and things like that. Um, I know open world structures have plenty of caveats that sometimes come up if they're poorly done. But some of those things um, I am a fan of. So I'm wondering if 
if Final Fantasy XV's open structure and apparently it gets more linear later and whatnot. I'm, I'm curious if this game, like how it's structured and if that is the type of game that might appeal to me maybe more than like what Final Fantasy thirteen did. I don't know. We'll have to see. I mean, I think that one of the biggest critics of that game that I know of is Alex, our boss. And he said from the recent footage that they put out, he's way more interested in that game and he feels like it's way more polished than what he's played and he's he's been playing final fantasy 15 he got a copy already and he's been playing it uh so far um he got an advanced copy i mean he obviously hasn't been posting any footage i think jason Schreier from kataka has been posting a bunch of stuff about that stuff but yeah um that i'm personally very interested in that i mean i might not be able to pick it up at launch but just because last guardian is out a week later and i'm more <laughs> interested in last guardian than i am in final fantasy 15 but um I still am very, very, very interested in that. And I think that uh, my anticipation level has gone up as we've gotten closer to launch, just like yours has. But I think that uh, from my base perspective, I've been more interested in it than I think you have been. And that's probably why. Uh, but they, so I, I just want to mention that they put out a new CG trailer. Visual Arts uh, always delivers. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it was Visual Arts. I, I want to say like it was someone else this time. Who else would it be? Well, one second. <laughs> You're just going to look it up. Okay. But I want to yeah. mention the other stuff that they did is that they, they put out that, but they also announced new DLC plans. Uh, so there's a season pass, Final Fantasy 15, and, you know, it's an open world game or action RPG. So, of course, it's going to have DLC. I think people are kind of silly that they're so surprised that this would happen. But it just makes sense with a game that long of development that they just want to make some money back. So they announced the, the DLC plans, but they also announced multiplayer uh, DLC, online multiplayer, which I think is kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, but I, like, I'm very excited for that, too. Yeah. Well, okay, so the press release says, and I, I, sometimes these companies collaborate, and I don't know what's what exactly, but it says it was the 3D animation studio Digic. It's D-I-G-I-C Pictures, who also worked on Kingsglaive. I, like, I think Visual Arts also did Kingsglaive. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe in, in collaboration with Digic or something, but it, anyways, that's just a thing. So I think, I think it, it was probably both, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense that the... Square Enix's own CG studio would work closely with another company like that. It just makes sense. Because, you know, Visual Arts definitely did work on Kingsglaive. And so, so this is kind of unrelated, but uh, I remember in one of the trailers, so I haven't, I, I'm not like on a blackout with Final Fantasy XV, but I haven't like watched, like, there's been a lot of pre-release footage like everywhere. Our sister site, Nova Crystallis, has done a great job covering like all of it. But like, I, I actually was re-watching some of the stuff like really briefly and like, man, this music is great. Like, it's Shimamura. So she's always usually great. Like I'm actually really looking forward to this game soundtrack. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's <laughs> the cool thing about the uncovered Final Fantasy 15 event back in March is that they were playing the soundtrack as we were all taking our seats, uh, and that's from what I heard, it was really damn good. And that's and that's also kind of cool about you know the fact that on the radio you'll be able to listen to like different songs from other games as well, but also the 15 soundtrack. But and also cool. not just like not just like the emotional like theme songs or whatever but i remember the, the, this was a while back maybe gamescom they showed like a stealth section of the game and it had music that was kind of in the vibe of like a stealth game i've never played metal gear solid but it sounds like maybe something you'd expect out of something like that and just like i'm just kind of expect, i'm curious to see the variety that the soundtrack has and i know some people may not care about soundtrack at all but it's a pretty important thing to me and then I'm, I'm really interested in it oh totally i mean that's i think that final fantasy 15 is still up there uh especially the- it's been just, it's just been so long. It's kind of like I, even if the game isn't like like the best JRPG ever or whatever. It's just like 
finally being able to get this final project and like just I'm just like I said before I'm just curious to see what is this and you know maybe it'll be something that I really like who knows yeah I mean you say it's been so long but you know you could have been playing Final Fantasy 14 and so yes. I want to segue into that in that they announced that the new 4.0 Final Fantasy 14 4.0 expansion is titled Stormblood. And it's kind of funny that they ran through all the ways that they got to the name Stormblood as well uh, on there. But uh, they they announced, uh, they announced that the some of the things that they announced as well, that uh, they were raising the level cap from 60 to 70, which means that, you know, I know Andrea recently hit her cap as far as like all her, 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 uh, her classes and her uh, her uh, I'm blanking on the words. It's been a long time since I played 14, so apologize apologies to the people out there listening to this. The different jobs, the, uh, the the jobs as far as like I forget like the woodworking and all those other uh, uh, separate things yeah. that you could do on the side. Um, they that's going to be a lot more content for people to jump into. Uh, they announced that, and I'm going through the post that you did, Adam. Um, I know you did mostly copy paste. I don't know if you remember some of this stuff. Like inventory expansion, I think, which is huge. Oh, that <laughs> people really that wanted they, that apparently. But th- that one, they said it might actually have like its own update, like kind of like special update in terms of how to actually how that inventory expansion actually like works like mechanically, like even to be developed. It sounds like it's like that alone is a huge undertaking for them to do. So. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, they announced, like, new areas, new dungeons, new raids, uh, new residential area, new primals. Uh, high-end raids will be added here, alliance raids. And uh, flying mounts uh, will be able to fly in the Stormblood areas, but you need to collect. Yeah, it talks about all that stuff. But one big thing they also announced is that they're finally ending support for the PlayStation 3 version which uh, I'm sure a lot of people who played that game can attest to, they really should have gotten rid of that a long time ago. I think that's one of the reasons they said that they that the game itself is so segmented as far as like all these different zones that you have to go through. is because of the, the PlayStation 3, how low-powered that system really is. I mean, and think so, about it. The PS3 released more than 10 years ago. Yes. Or, or not, not more than 10 years. Almost, almost 10 We're years. almost at the 10-year anniversary, yeah. actually, uh, on that well, system, just like a to- few weeks November 2006, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, the cool thing is that this is kind of what they did when um, the PlayStation 4 came out, is that they're bringing back the program of being able to, uh, whoever owns the PlayStation 3 version of 14 will be able to upgrade to the PlayStation 4 version for free for a limited time. Three to four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's... That's pretty great, uh, and so the, and they also said like the minimum specs of the PC version will be raised to provide the best experience for Stormblood, which means like maybe DirectX 12 like is the standard, but also continuing to improve the experience of the game, and that's really what they need to do to keep it going here. Because I think like with 11, Final Fantasy 11, they kept the PlayStation 2 support going for a long, long time, and the, and that's I think was a real detriment to the experience of that game because they wanted to keep adding this content, but. It it's, later on, it just feels so dated. So really, like I like I said, I played the I played eleven a few weeks ago, and it just felt like such. It kind of surprised me that people said how beautiful that game looked, and it's really hard to go back to that game now and feel like the same way. I mean, the story is still great, and I still love it that way, but it just that it just does not hold up at all. So that's kind of what was announced for the Final Fantasy fourteen Stormblood. It's supposed to be out next summer. Um, in general. Final Fantasy fourteen feels like the type of game I would probably love probably a lot. It's just more of the time commitment. Like I see how much Aaron Kagari has put into it and like 
six thousand hours or something like that. Yeah, I, something I, ridiculous. Right. It's like, geez. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if I had the budget, I'd totally do that. I just don't have the money to do it. But you can get those games really cheap nowadays, like fourteen. And uh, Heaven's Word are super inexpensive at this point. And usually people just buy it so they get the 30 days for free. <laughs> so yeah. that's the, it's like cheaper to buy the game new and use the 30-day pass than it is to actually uh, you know, buy an actual subscription. Pass. Exactly. Um, so running through some of the other news that they announced, now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, they announced Star Ocean Anemnesis for mobile, which is Tri-Ace's next game Uh it's kind of funny when you think about it because they actually got bought by a mobile company in China uh, a couple of years ago, and they that was like the people thinking that you know, Trice is only going to be making mobile games from now on. But then they announced Star Ocean Five and all those cares are put to rest, and then they announced a Nemesis, and people went kind of nuts, and they thought like, oh, you put out Star Ocean Five, it was like a disappointment, and now you're going to put out a mobile game? Why not make Star Ocean Six? I'm like, guys. Five just came out back in May, so yeah. it's really uh, unfair, I think, to think that that can happen. But from what we've seen so far, what they're doing is that they're taking all these Star Ocean protagonists from the other games and putting them all into a single game, and they're you know, the graphics. I think in this game look pretty damn pretty damn good. It looks just like Star Ocean Five. Uh, I, not well, I mean, especially but... like I know they showed uh, the Nell from Star Ocean Three, which is a PS2 game. And yeah. I mean, any any mobile phone is going to be much much stronger than the PS2 was. So like, Nell looks pretty good now. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, and you know the visuals look great. They already put out some screenshots of the game in action, and it looks really really good. Uh, uh, the visually and like way better than Mobius Final Fantasy ever looked because I I've been playing that game and that just looks really you know grainy and. Uh, the aliasing is like very, very noticeable. But uh, that so Star Ocean and Nemesis uh, for mobile, iOS and Android. They're going to have a live stream of that game on November nineteenth at eight o'clock Japan time PM. And so uh, we'll be sure to cover that game on our Twitter account when that comes about. But I'm I'm very interested to see how that'll turn out, and I'm hoping it'll get localized just because it's it seems like such an interesting game and be able to play all these characters from the games I grew up with. Like Star Ocean Second Story, I still have a soft spot for that game. Um, I'm still kind of like bummed we didn't get the PS4 port of that. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, it's, I know, I know, it's just like an upscale, and it's nothing super fancy, but it's like this game is already translated. It's already even dubbed. Like, I'm not sure why it would be that much effort or work to localize. I don't know. It has I'm trophies, sure. you know? It's like a, if you think yeah. of it like a PS2 to PS4 entry, and that's kind of what the Vita is. Like, uh, and second, like, wait, second chapter, that came out on PSP, didn't it? Yeah, and that's the version I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what the, that's what the, that's what that's what this version is. Is the it's a it's an upres of the second. Oh, I know. I I tweeted about it, and people complain about it every time I talk about it. Like, why didn't we get that? Andrea keeps talking about how you know she wishes that it would come over, but I'm like, Andrea, you know Japanese. You could totally import that game and play it. And I'm like, yeah, I probably could. And, that's and I mean, it, <laughs> it, it, it's a bit, and it's 
It's available digitally, so you mm-hmm. can just down down if you have a P- Japanese PSN account, and you can just get a PSN card and download it. But yeah, it looks really good. I mean, and you just say it's like an up-res on the on the. So on the I saw. I, I know really I saw. I, I mean, it like some of the two D art doesn't scale perfectly because no. it's not it's not redrawn or anything. But it's <laughs> it's still it still looks pretty good. So anyways, that's kind of an aside. It's just kind of find that kind of surprising that a game like that, which is already like. You know, they've most of the work in translating it would be, I I don't know, would just be implementing it into that new version rather than getting new new translations or voices or whatever. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm very interested to see how that'll go as well. Um, and and that's and that's kind of the thing is that um, I'm excited to see what that'll turn out to be. But we've also got news um, from other games that were announced recently. So they've been teasing uh, four goddesses online, Cyber Dimension, Neptune, uh, Neptune, which I know is a game that you really like to hear about, Adam. Now that Josh isn't here, we can talk about <laughs> Cyber Dimension, Neptune, uh, which is the latest entry in the series. Uh, interesting thing about this one is that it's going to be built, or it was built, on Unreal Engine 4. So clearly, now that they've got a whole new engine, uh, they have to redo the assets, which means that the game looks immediately a lot better than it normally does, uh, which I'm happy about because it just felt like it was the Vita games are starting to look better than the console games. Mega Dimension looked pretty good, but it's still stuck in this old engine with the old style. And what I'm kind of hopeful is is that with the with this new release, they can finally ditch the old maps because there were maps from the original uh, Hyperdimension Neptunia from the PlayStation 3 that came out like, was it five years ago or something like that? They're still found in the new games, and I don't get why that's the case. Like old maps. Like, like, like they were just reusing the... They're reusing maps and, and the dungeons and all this stuff. Anyone who's played more than one uh, Neptunia game would instantly know that this is just a. Uh, like they. they picked it up and just dropped it and recycled it. It's so annoying. But with this new game, it looks a lot different. Uh, it looks like it's way more action-heavy uh, as far as, like, running around, like, uh, action okay. RPG. Like let me, let me ask something. So, yeah. first of all, I'll just admit that the Neptunia stuff, it's not really my cup of tea. No, but, don't, you don't but, say. But one thing I'm curious about, this new game, is this meant to be, like, a mainline? Like, this is the fifth main game or is it because it's got that online in it or is it like something different it's it's got the online but that's misleading it's not an online game at all it's it's just four goddesses online is a game that a character in the game one of the goddesses vert plays a lot and so what they kind of bring into this is that each character is playing a class (laughs) and that's kind of all it is it's just characters are playing classes that's that's the only thing that's carried over otherwise um, it's just an action RPG, and it's uh... so for all intents and purposes, this is the fifth main. I know there's been tons of spinoffs, but this is the fifth mainline game. Would you call yes. it that, or is it still another spinoff? Yeah, because there's one, two, three. Like Victory's the third, and they got Mega Dimension. And so yeah, I, I know, I know there's the first one. three games, and then they got like uh, they got like the Rebirth versions, and then those got ported. So it feels like sometimes it feels like there's a lot more games than there actually are. Yeah, uh, but the difference is though is that this is going to be a mainline game, but it's going to be developed by Tamsoft. Which uh, people don't know, they're the ones that made the Megatech Mansion Blonde uh, plus Neptune versus Zombies game that came out recently. So obviously, the fact that they're using someone who made an action RPG bring this uh, lends to that theory that it's going to be a pure action RPG. And all they put out so far is just a couple screenshots, but there's one with like a bunch of numbers popping off the head of enemies. So 
I'm very interested to see what where they're going with this. Uh, and it's supposed to be released on February 9th. They already have a release date. That's just how they do it in Japan. They announce a game. They immediately put out a release date for it, which is great. Um, and I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how this will go. And, you know, um, in about nine days, I believe. No, I think it's actually two. 10 days, uh, Idea Factory International, the American branch, is going to have their press event. And I would be shocked if they didn't announce that this game is going to be localized, like almost immediately, uh, aside from the, you know, the Steam ports, whatever else they plan on announcing there. So um, that, that was announced there too. They also, for localization news, we just kind of threw a bunch of news on here. So sorry if this is very splintered, but we're kind of rushing through some of this news here. Uh, Atelier Shally Plus was announced for the West finally uh and that's going to be out on january 17th as if january wasn't already a nightmare for rpg releases let's uh, see it's got kingdom hearts 2.8 yep. it's got tales of Berseria. yakuza yakuza Zero. yeah and that's about it i guess there's also like uh disgaea 2 on pc <laughs> yes uh <laughs> and wasn't there like a recently a game that got delayed into January as well that I'm I'm not thinking of like a Western game, but I think South Park was delayed, but it we don't know if that's January or later. Yeah, early twenty seventeen is all they said. Mm-hmm. And uh in February, of course, we don't have to talk about February. That's just a huge amount of games. But um that's Outlet Shally Plus, which I'm 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 interested to play because I think that the biggest problem that the original Outlet Shally had is that the ending was so disappointing. Because they brought in um, Aisha, the protagonist of Atelier Aisha, Aisha, of course, uh, from the PlayStation 3 version. Um, but she was just a talking head. Like uh, They just kind of showed her. They didn't even show her whole body for maybe more than like a second. Like She was just – they had music playing and you just saw her walk away. That was so it. I, so I, don't, I haven't played any of the Atelier, Atelier games, um, however you pronounce it. But uh, – from what I understand, they usually go in trilogies now, like yeah. in terms of how they're connected. So this is the final one in the trilogy that started with Alt, uh, Atelier Aesha, and then Atelier Echa and Lodgy, and this is Atelier Shali. Eska and Lodgy. I'm going to just fir- correct you for the whole time here. <laughs> well, the, the first one is Atelier Aesha, right? Atelier I, I, So the English dub says Atelier, so I'm going to pronounce it as Atelier. I told this to the other people before. At, at, Atelier Atelier Ayasha. Or no, Aisha. Just Aisha. Okay. Whatever. Ayasha. And, and then not everything Esha, has, a, has to be pronounced here. And then Esha and Lodgy and then Anyways, Anyways, from what, I understand, <laughs> from what I understand is that yes. like, yes. as, a, as, a finally, as a finale in the trilogy, the Shali was really disappointing and missing just what you'd expect from something that was supposed to be wrapping up a story. And that the Plus version supposedly added a bunch of new events and things that – did a much better job at it. And heck, I know one of the key arts basically showed, Hey, here are all the characters from this trio of games, you know, in this package. So, I mean, the characters from the other games did show up in this one. It just, they did, they showed up such in such an odd way. Uh, especially with the Aisha characters, they, they were kind of an afterthought, which was disappointing. Eska doesn't, isn't even playable. And actually in, in this game, which actually I think it might be as a DLC thing, if I'm not mistaken. And that's the cool thing about this version is that they took all the DLC and packed it into this game. So, you know, people who missed out on any of that stuff uh, can play the complete version when it gets released here uh, on January 17th. 
So that's that's I'm I'm happy for that. I'm happy for Vita owners that they still have games that they can look forward to. Just because it seems like it, there's less and less of a reason to release it on the Vita. I mean, to be brutally honest, it seems like Koei Tecmo is taking a loss every time they release a game on the Vita. And that's just how it is. You know, from what I've talked, people I've talked to, and so when people get upset that a game is not going to be ported to the Vita or like not released there when it gets localized. Just understand, you know, they're already taking a huge risk even doing that in the first place if it does happen. Like, so. for example, the the Knights of Azure hasn't come out on Vita, and that's also Koei Tecmo. But then there was the uh, Digimon game localized. Yeah. Um, Digimon Cyber Sleuth, did, that came out on Vita, right? Yeah, but digitally only. Digitally only. While on the but PS4, then the new, the physical. But the, yeah. But the new version isn't isn't coming isn't planned for Vita at all. So it's just no, it's that and that's Bandai Namco. So it's not just you know just these companies. And then of course there's like Square Enix and I am Setsuna. It's just like unfortunately the Vita just isn't successful enough to like sometimes warrant the cost of making of localizing those versions. So well, Digimon is kind of a different story. So Bandai Namco is still a big supporter of the Vita because they put out God Eater. I mean, come on, they bought, they still bought that. All right, that's true. But uh, Digimon, uh, what they what they said uh, recently was that. The new version that's going to be released on the PlayStation 4, uh, this is a whole new version of the game. And this was announced back... back I'm slurring my words here because I've been talking for too long and I've been focused on Civilization too much. But um, they announced the PlayStation 4 release. The fact is, is that it's got a whole bunch of story content that was not in the original release on the Vita. Um, but is it, it isn't just something that's going to be tacked on to the end of the game. It's actually going to be interwoven into the actual main story. So it's new main story content okay. because it's so big. They are they. This is what they said. Don't you know? Don't shoot the messenger here. Uh, they said that because it's such a big game, it just could not fit within the size limits of the Vita or the you know what 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 could be uh, capable on the Vita. Uh, so that's and why then I, and then, and then, I, and then I saw 4. that this and then I saw that this version is getting like this happens this has happened a number of times this this version is getting re-released in Japan on PS4 and it's called like international version yes so it's so it's it is I, I think Digimon Cyber Sleuth ended up getting released on PlayStation 4 in Japan as well yeah yeah but but like this it seems like like you said it's they're kind of considering it a new version and it's this new version isn't on Vita so you can't localize it of course, not, yeah of course it's going to count on the PlayStation you know, 4 but at the same time it's like they got to convince them it's 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 worth it to buy this new game you know so that's probably why they're doing something like this but you know I'm happy to see it happen, and, and I'm excited to play that new Digimon too. But I'm happily Alier Shally Plus is going to come over because it can prepare me for you know when Alier uh, Ferris, 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 whatever they call it, uh, it's going to be. I think, I, 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 I think they I think the, when they announced the localization of that, they called it Ferris. So it is, yeah, it totally is. I I, I know, uh, and I'm happy they announced that like a couple months ago. They announced that it's going to be. Not, Maybe that was just like a month ago. Actually, it's as soon as they, 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 at Tokyo Game Show they announced yeah. that at Atlier Furious Knights of Azure Two and Tokyo Two will get released in 2017 at some point. Yeah, just a lot of stuff happening this year. 2016 has been a pretty shitty year, so like everything certainly kind of runs together. Uh, so there's that, and then another announcement that they made. Once again, all this stuff is all over the place. They also announced Witch and the Hundred Knight Two is going to be a lot, uh, released on February 23rd. 2017 I had a very bad time with the witch in the hundred night so i'm curious to see what they're going to improve upon on this release here just because yeah i really hated the characters in that game so they apparently it's a totally unrelated to the first yes which um, i'm happy about and i as far as i understand they haven't really 
um, given any detail or many details about like combat and stuff yet, but it can't be. Who knows? The first game, all I really understand is it was kind of like a, a isometric kind of like real time RPG where you kind of control the little hundred knight guy in kind of an action combat, right? Yeah. So it's it's like an isometric Diablo and, game. You get like several different weapons. Like I know I remember reading stuff like you can get like a sword or a hammer, depending on what weapon you're using. You can do different things and chain them together, something like that. Exactly, and that's I I don't know enough about this game honestly because I had a bad experience with the first <laughs> one. I haven't really been paying too much attention to it, but you know I'm still curious about it. I'll I'll show I'm sure I'll, I'll be the one who is going to be reviewing it anyway. <laughs> so I'll see what it's like at that point. Uh, Another announcement that they made, which I'm way more interested in, is that Furyu uh, announced uh, the Alliance Alive, which doesn't seem like it's a very interesting title to begin with, or like well, you wouldn't be very curious about that. The well, big, I mean, the which, which, which title is which title is worse, the Alliance Alive or Legend of Legacy? And this is from the same people, so it's pretty awful. Uh, Calicall <laughs> is the developer of this game too. The cool thing about this is that it's actually got the creator of Suikoden, uh, Yoshitaka Murayama who hasn't done anything since Suikoden 3. Like, he's the creator of the first three games. He left at that point and went on his own and did, like, I don't know, like a mobile game or something like that. And that came out, like, in around 2005, 2006. That's when that mobile game came out. He's done nothing really in the game industry since then. So this is supposed to be, like, his big return. So I'm very interested to see, like, what's going to happen with that. So I played The Legend of Legacy, which was basically uh, played like a saga game. And what that basically means is you don't have levels, but you instead improve your stats. And, for example, the more physical attacks you do, the stronger your physical attacks get, the more magic attacks you do, and et cetera. Um, and that game got a lot of flack because it didn't have much of a story. Now, I wasn't, I didn't really care too much about that. Uh, I thought the game was worked pretty well with a minimal story. But this new game, which is made by the same people... The creator of Suikoden, whose name I can't remember, um, he is coming on to do the story. So it seems like it's going to be a much heavier, heavier story emphasis than The Legend of Legacy, which this is clearly like a follow-up to in some way. Yeah. So it's still supposed. It still sounds like it's going to be a. Let me get this straight. A saga game in terms of its style and gameplay. It's meant to still be that type of game. So it's still. It'll probably play similarly to The Legend of Legacy, but the story is from the Soikoden creators. Don't don't don't, don't get those messed up. Um, yeah. So. I'm so people who maybe didn't like the Legend of Legacy because it was very story minimalistic. This sounds like this will not be that case. Swings in the toy opposite direction. It sounds like yeah, because uh, yeah, Suikoden's you know that's it's it's you know highlighting thing was its story and, and that's true for most of those games in that series. So I and it's got the same art. It's got the same artist. It's, you can tell right away that it's the same artist um, from the Legend of Legacy. And I'm curious to see if this will get localized. And if it does, I'll try it out. Actually, I would be surprised if it wasn't, just because of some of the games that we've been getting. It seems like there's more success to be found here than it is in Japan. Yeah. It, yep. And it's it's set for a 2000 an early next year release on 3DS. And I guess um, just a couple other things. We know it stars like nine different characters. And kind of like the Legend of the Legacy, they all have their own like weapon and style. But we don't really know much about it other than that. It's got nine characters, it's got the Suikoden right. Rider, and it's got a right. Saga-type gameplay. Right, and exactly. Releases next year. Excited to see something more about that. And then um, a, a couple of last pieces of news here. Uh, well, well, let's. I happen to skip a piece of news, and I totally um, I'm, I'm 
apologies for doing that, but let's just finish up this last thing before we backtrack here. So uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, we all know, is going to be out here in a couple weeks, uh, November 18th in North America and the 23rd in, the, in Europe, to be clear. What they announced was that Pokemon Sun and Moon is the highest pre-ordered entries in the series history. Which... Not just series history, in Nintendo history. In Nintendo history? Oh, I didn't even know it was like a company history kind of thing. That's I yeah, guess that makes the sense. Highest, highest pre-selling games in Nintendo's history and the highest 3DS demo um, in that history. Highest so, or the most downloaded? Most, I, think they said the, I think they said the best selling or whatever. Oh, yeah. Or you, said highest, you said highest downloaded. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But most downloaded. Yeah, most downloaded um, demo ever on the 3DS eShop, which is insane. Um, I mean... But that kind of lends credence because it just looks like a very fun game. They're doing a lot of work on this. Like, they announced a bunch of Pokemon that we've never seen before because it's a whole new generation, of course. The Alolan uh, Pokemon. All the characters look very interesting as well. Like, they announced all these new characters that has uh, a bunch of original people that have really in- cool designs. Um, and from someone like me who hasn't played a Pokemon game since, like, Pokemon Yellow... It's got me excited, and I'm I'm I like to check that out. And also, they're just changing a few things. Like it seems like it doesn't have the typical gym structure anymore. It seems like there's some you know replacement equivalent to that. So it's not like it's a you know a total left turn, but it's they're tweaking things a little bit there. It doesn't use like the HMs, I think. Um, HMs being where you can like fly on the map and things. It's like instead you can cl- like ride on different Pokemon. Um, and it, like if there's like sharp rocks, you ha- can't cross them. You have to ride on the horse Pokemon to to get across them. So it seems like it's sw- it's it knows that it was maybe a little bit too formulaic, and they're just trying to switch a couple of things up. It kind of reminds me of like Link Between Worlds for the Zelda series. It's like just trying to tweak a few things just to keep it fresh. And it seems like uh, it seems like some of that stuff is appealing. So. Absolutely, and that's. I would love to check that out, that game out. I mean, uh, supposedly we're going to be getting that game for review, and so you'll be able to see a review up on the side here pretty soon. Uh, who's I forget who's going to be covering that for us? Andrea, of course. All right, great. <laughs> the person who knows Pokemon is going to be reviewing that game. That's good. I'm sure yep. people who are listening to this are happy to hear that as well. It's not someone like me who doesn't know anything about Pokemon anymore. Uh, right. so, I've only been watching the TV show maybe a couple episodes, like the recent stuff, but that's it. <laughs> So they have this. No, never mind. Oh, I was just gonna make a stupid joke. Don't worry about it. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah, let's skip that. Uh, the thing I missed, and I apologize for this. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 plus 2.5 is gonna be released on the PlayStation 4 in March, which is insane. Not just because it's a bundle of all the games, because everyone was expecting, you know, a separate compilation here, but it's gonna be released for 50 bucks. Uh, when Final Fantasy Type-0 HD got released for 60 bucks, and it's just a single HD re- release, um, that was kind of, you know, bizarre and unsettling, because it's like, this is a weird thing to be doing when Final Fantasy, you know, 10 and 10-2 HD got released um, at, I think it was like maybe even 40 bucks or something at that point. Um, but I'm really happy that this is this is out. It's a huge bundle. It's I mean, this, this, collection, this collection has kind of... Uh, well, it's really four games. It's uh, Kingdom Hearts 1, 2, Birth by Sleep, and then Chain of Memories. I know that wasn't the right order. But those four games, and then it has the bonus things of the movie, things of uh, the Days game and the, uh, what else? Coded. Oh, 58 yeah. and a half days, whatever the The, yeah, the DS game. Uh, yeah, yeah. Recoded is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like movies. And then 
Um, but these are also like the the um, what are they? I forget what the name of like the 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 remixed versions and and well, the, the international final, 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 final mix. mix. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry, uh, the final mix versions of the content that we didn't get here in the West. I mean, these games also, came out. Sorry, go ahead. Well, and also, uh, I think it's been confirmed that these will run at sixty frames per second, which is yes. like huge which for wasn't an in active... the original game. <laughs> the original games ran in thirty. Uh, at least as far as I know, I don't remember them ever running in sixty. Any no, of them. I, they they only on emulators, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for a game like this, I mean to be honest, most of the time like sixty or like I don't really mind thirty frames per second. You know, I'm not a, uh, it's, I'm not like sixty frames per second or bust or anything like that. But yeah, these no, are the types not, of games. Yeah. These these types of games are like perfectly suited for the higher frame rates. Like no question about it. So that's great that they can do that. And then with the release of two point eight coming out just a couple of months before, you can literally play the entire series on one platform before Kingdom Hearts three. So that's Cool. I would. I actually plan on doing that as well, and that's that's kind of the the interesting thing to think about is just the fact that this is probably one of the biggest bundle deals that I've ever seen since like the Orange Box, like the Half Life Orange Box that came out like a decade ago. So I'm I'm very uh, I'm very into buying this thing, and that's what I was I was excited to hear that they finally announced that because I was like it it was going to feel weird doing that. I mean, Xbox owners are going to be missing out just because it's like it's it's odd enough that they're just only getting Kingdom Hearts 3 and that's the only time that they're ever going to experience that uh, and up until this point but I, I'm happy for that you know people say like it came out on the PlayStation 3 so why do I need to buy it on the PlayStation 4 you just said it 60 frames when you think about like the ending segments of Kingdom Hearts 2 imagine that in 60 frames and that's I mean nuts. <laughs> this is a totally unrelated game but I remember playing Tales of Symphonia when it came out on PS3 and like Tales of Symphonia was always 60 frames per second. Yeah. Uh, and then like you play it on PS3 and it's 30 because that's what that version was. And you, it's immediately like, wow, this is so much lower. So this is obviously the opposite of that. It's going to be, I never actually played this emulated. Apparently this is like Kingdom Hearts 2. You can emulate it and play it in 60 right now if you want. Um, the From the PS2 version. Well, we don't that kind of thing. But like this is, uh, you know, that's, that's really cool. And this is the type of game that suits it perfectly. So uh, I, I'm, the only thing I'm kind of bummed about is I went. I spent a bunch of time on the PS3 version, like doing everything you can. Like, well, maybe I'll end up doing that all again. Who knows? <laughs> that was the weird thing is that someone replied saying like, "What about my trophies from the PlayStation 3 version? Does it carry over?" I'm like, I just I don't understand that that sentiment. I mean, I I totally I I I guess well, I, I some, can say I, sometimes they do. Like, for example, Final Fantasy X. That's what it, they said. The, yeah, the PS3 game and the, and the PS4 game share trophies. This version, I don't know if it'll like just be counting like a different version of the same game, or is it like a totally different version? Why I mean, wouldn't you want more trophies, though? I mean, if people care that enough about trophies, I'm not, I'm not, it's not a big deal to me. But it's just no. I mean, in general, yeah, is that it's like would you want more trophies if you're all focused on getting trophies and you know pumping up your level <laughs> and all that stuff? It's like wouldn't you want a second platinum or something? I don't know. I, I just think that. Uh, it's already silly enough to be thinking that way, but you mentioned like, didn't your like save carry over? I, I, I was wondering about my save file because it would be cool maybe if I could like transfer my save and be like, you know, here I am at the end of the game already, just playing it in sixty frames per second. I, I spent fifty that's, that's, bucks that's, and I just want to play the end of it. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a small thing. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. It's I, I don't know. Maybe someone needs to explain that to me because uh, I just don't get it. I don't know. But yeah, Kingdom Hearts out March. That's soon, and I kind of uh, it makes you wonder if Kingdom Hearts Two is going to be out next year, like the end of next year. 
It seems like it's too soon, but yeah, we've been waiting forever. I, I, and they've been I, pushing I, I, out I, I, more I, and more footage. Yeah, I doubt they're going to do Kingdom Hearts 2.8, this little bundle, and 3 all in the same calendar year. But wouldn't that be insane? Yeah, because Kingdom Hearts, we just said 2.8. Uh, for people who don't know, Kingdom Hearts 2.8, because someone mentioned that it was confusing trying to keep all this together. Kingdom Hearts 2.8 is... um, It's basically... Dream Drop Distance. The is, 3DS game, which, for for all purposes, the 3DS game, which is Dream Drop Distance, is like the most recent game in the series. Quote, unquote, so yeah. It's, it, yeah, so it's it's that game, like chronologically in the story. It yeah, was that yeah. game, and then it had basically a, a demo preview of Kingdom Hearts 3. It's What they call it is... Like oh point two, a fragmentary passage. Yes, and that's exactly what, what it is. What that is is it's basically like that one's in Unreal Engine th- uh, four, and that one is basically showing kind of like a prologue story featuring Aqua, the character Aqua, before Kingdom Hearts three, uh, and then it's got like the mobile game, which I don't, I still don't know what that is. So I'm not a Kingdom Hearts expert enough to know what that is. But basically, this two point eight kind of what its title is supposed to be like. If you want to play Kingdom Hearts 3, you play this first. Yeah, so. it's like everything else is pretty much what it is. Like, finally, we're putting everything on the PlayStation 4, so have fun. Mm-hmm. And then eventually maybe on the Nintendo Switch. We'll see. So that's it for news. Um, that's, that's a lot to talk about. We went on pretty far here. Um, I do want to mention uh, where you can find us at. So we are located at RPGsite.net, as always. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at RPGsite. You can find us on youtube.com slash rpgsite.net. We've got some new videos up there for you guys to enjoy. Uh, we've got like a new Dark Souls 3 uh, DLC guide for checking out, finding all the key items. I do want to mention on the site too, Adam, you had a big part in this. We put a huge guide of all the world of, world of excuse me, World of Final Fantasy Mirages, which are the you know Pokemon-esque creatures that you can recruit that... Um, I think you'll, you'll find a lot of use out of it personally because it already looked like a huge guide to me. I don't know. Uh, I think that that's something that I'm going to use a lot when I finally get around to playing that game. You can also find us on facebook.com slash RPG site net. You know, talking is hard. I just want to mention this. Talking is hard. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes at TetraCast and, you know, all your favorite uh, podcast apps. Uh, we also have our Discord, as always. We have a different URL that you can use to get to us, which is discord.me, M-E, slash RPG site. So you can find us there. So uh, I just want to mention all that. But also I want to do also mention that we're kind of thinking about doing a weekly podcast from now on just because there's always so much news and it does feel like at the times we start to ramble a bit trying to get through all the news at once so if we do a weekly podcast it might be a lot easier to get through and you know start to have a much more developed conversation that we can we can really have fun with so adam you seem like you're into that idea yep and so that'll keep the link down a little bit too yes so He's going pretty far, so we're aiming for like maybe like an hour-long podcast each week instead of these two to three-hour things. So, but we do appreciate everyone who stuck with us so far, uh, and hopefully you guys tune in with us uh, from now on on a more frequent basis. But once again, I want to thank you so much, Adam Vitali, for joining me on this podcast. I appreciate you sticking me, even if we were the only ones who ended up doing it this time. Uh, no problem. Yes. Uh, once again, I'm Zach Reese, your host. Catch you next time, everybody.